moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Friday, October 6th, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 280. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that'll take you to the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social. What's going on, everybody? Happy Friday, and welcome to a big edition of the show today. I'm Ron. Noah's here. Yo! We've got a great slate of guests coming in here. We're going to have Congressman Corey Mills and Ben Klein. We're also going to be sitting down with Paul Ingracia and Wayne Dupree. Lots of headlines. We're going to see how the fallout from the motion to vacate is settling up on Capitol Hill and bring you the latest. Donald Trump was in court all week up in New York City as they tried to dissolve the Trump organization. We'll bring you the latest on that as well. And then the Biden administration doesn't want to build walls, but they might be erecting barriers. Just don't tell anybody that they are. Before we get into any of the headlines, let's take it up to Capitol Hill and see how the dust is settling to change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! All right, everyone, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roe. Noah's here as well. Yo! Massive Friday edition of the show today. If you're a first time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long time listener, of course, welcome back to America's fastest growing political podcast. We'll begin the show today up on Capitol Hill place that we've been for quite a while now here, and joining us is one of our favorite congressmen. He's an absolute warrior. He represents Florida 7. Congressman Corey Mills is joining us again. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thanks for having me back on, guys. Hey, it's our pleasure. Listen, we know it's been busy. It's been a pretty hectic week up there. However, I'm hearing from a lot of people up on Capitol Hill, whether it's staffers or other congressmen and women, that the dust is starting to settle, and it seems like a little bit more of normalcy is getting ready to kick in. Obviously, a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, but uh, I just want you to kind of give our listenership a little bit up to the minute from your vantage point where we're at right now regarding, you know, this fallout from the motion to vacate and where we go into next week when we're going to have a Speaker of the House vote. Well, normalcy when referring to Congress is a relative term. I've never seen normalcy actually exist, but, you know, I'll go ahead and let that one pass. Um, you know, look, it, it, the bottom line is a lot of people are seeing what's happening in Congress with chaos. And I think what they're actually seeing is is where, uh, the 118th Congress eliminated the ability for a singular person to dominate policy, dominate uh, debt spending, and all the other things, which is what Pelosi <clears throat> and many speakers before them had tried to do, whether it was threatening members through trying to leak uh, salacious threats through uh, a bought and paid for media source, whether it was utilizing their power to try and prevent bills that would help the American people in an effort to try and persuade them in a certain way. These are the types of things that have existed for so long that it's become the status quo of D.C. And what we're seeing now with the rule changes that we had, where we added a motion to vacate, we added single point legislation, we talked about getting all 12 appropriation bills to the floor. Um, we're bringing more accountability and transparency to D.C., which, by the way, D.C. does not want. They want to rebuke the idea of changing current policy because there's many lobbyists and others invested in the current process and system that's been, you know, basically destroying the country. So, um, you know, I think that what we're seeing right now, as you talked about kind of utilizing your term, the dust settling, I think the dust settling is the realization that DC as the uh, kind of continuation of this corrupt and uh, provocative system has basically been upended 
and we're seeing where real change is starting to come to the American people. Now, that's a perfect thread I want to stay in, Corey. When you talk about real change for the American people, one of the big problems that us here on the show, I think some of the people who are actually really dialed into what's going on up on Capitol Hill, not just now in the 118th Congress, but for a long time, maybe since President Trump assumed the start of his first term, the term conservative and Republican is changing. It's kind of evolving right now and turning into something that's more driven towards a nationalist populist movement. Uh, definitely wants to focus on the country. You see how bad everything is. There isn't a topic that you could talk about in this country right now that as an American or even maybe a politician that you could actually be proud of because we're deficient in so many areas. I mean, American resolve will always overcome. I don't have any doubt about that. But when you talk about like the border, the economy, the food and gas prices, the educational system, rampant crime, the fentanyl crisis, geopolitical standing there's a lot of work to be done it seems like some of the biggest pushback that america first has got is is that from the establishment who just doesn't want to let go and embrace the fact that we're moving on and trying to push this you know republican party towards something that's better than it's been always talking about like lowering taxes and 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 having comprehensive immigration reform the the 80s policies that you know drove the party just aren't the policies that interest the party as much anymore And, and you know it's taken a couple warriors up on capitol hill much like yourself to kind of bring this stuff to light but do you think as we continue through this session of Congress and hopefully pad your guys' numbers moving into the next session as well, uh, we'll be able to get more people up there who are going to continue to champion these America First, uh, you know, narratives up on Capitol Hill. That is really the key here. I mean, you do have the same definition of conservatism, which in my view is everything from, you know, being physically conservative and watching how we're actually being good stewards of taxpayers' funding all the way through to protection of our constitutional rights, liberties, and freedoms. But what we've evolved to is what we consider now the new brand, which is the America First conservative. And I think that in itself has, you know, led to uh, breaking away from the D.C. status quo. Uh, you know, for me, for example, the reason that I won't support CRs and I won't support an omnibus or a minibus is one, and yes, it's, it's lazy legislation, and effectually you're, you're admitting that you didn't get your job done by the September 30th deadline. But for me, I've never seen an economic growth strategy or a way to try and reform some of the key mandatory programs so that we can get things under control. We just continue to kick the can and complain about it every single election cycle as you know a way to try and get reelected, bringing up the hot topic points that every American knows, sees, and faces, but yet not having a true solution for it. And I think that what we're needing right now, what you're seeing a little bit more in the America First conservatives, the political courage to be able to put yourselves out there to say, you know what, I'm going to place the safety and the protection of the Republic above the safety and protection of my reelection and my seat. And I think that that's what we need a lot more of. And unfortunately, we don't have any of that really when it comes to the Senate. And we really need to start focusing in on the Senate to get bills passed. But, you know, to your point, we are evolving, uh, whether you want to refer to it as a nationalist populist movement, whether you want to refer to it as an America first movement or America first conservative movement. I think there's numerous names of it, but what you are really seeing is that there's people such as myself who are willing to take the unpopular decision on looking at mandatory reforms and really trying to make sure that we're preserving these, you know, this nation, if you will, for future generations. Yeah, I mean, that's it right there. And, and and we're reaching a finite amount of time. You see the way this country in the direction, it seems like the Biden administration, no matter what happens, uh, good or bad, they just turn it rotten and just don't care. They step on the gas and just plow right through one problem and run right into another one. And it seems like they've offered no solutions for nearly three years now. 
Corey, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think it's really important heading into next week. So obviously you guys are going to conference on Tuesday and then hopefully have a speaker vote shortly after that. We've seen a lot of people in the, in the Freedom Caucus and a lot of the American First congressmen and women throwing their name behind uh, Ohio Representative Jim Jordan. We also saw President Trump late last night issued a very long statement uh, endorsing Jim Jordan as well. Heading into next week, how do you feel about, you know, the contest that's coming up, some of the candidates that are going to look to, you know, uh, offer up their name as someone as a potential next speaker? And uh, how are you kind of looking as uh, where your vote might lie? Well, I can tell you right now, I've thrown my uh, total, you know, endorsement support behind Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, Jim is uh, probably the member, actually, he is the member that I've known longer than anyone else in Congress. Uh, He's someone that I asked to run back in January. And both he and Trump and many others had, you know, said, look, let's go ahead with the new rules package and see how Kevin does. Um, I, I personally think that he's the necessary fighter to not only just unify the party, but also to ensure that we get key things moving forward, such as subpoena of Hunter Biden, uh, preventing the weaponization of DOJ and the FBI through cutting uh, necessary funding under the CJS appropriations bill. I think he's the right person to start releasing the J6 tapes and making sure the American people have the transparency they've been requesting and deserve. Uh, but I also think that he's the right individual to be able to put us on the, on the America first path. He's going to have to obviously negotiate with the mods in the, in the conference and make sure that we have their support on certain areas. But I think that more than anything, he's going to focus on the top line issues and he's not going to be one of those DC elites who basically try and make backroom deals just to try and go ahead and get something passed with never any intention to withhold them. So, you know, I think that, you know, it's a very positive move for the conference. I think it's a good positive move for the Congress as well as for the nation. And uh, I've been, you know, trying to call members of Congress to get their support behind him. But I think that right now, uh, Jim Jordan is the right person to lead this Congress and to make sure that we get back onto an America first agenda. Yeah, we're going to be sitting down with Representative Klein in just a little bit on our show. And I saw on his social media, he already endorsed uh, Jim Jordan as well. And listen, as far as Noah and I go, we know that he would be a fantastic pick. We talk about it all the time, how strongly he supported not only President Trump throughout the course of his first term, but the America First agenda. And, uh, you know, Jim's at a part right now of this session of Congress where he's chaired some great committees and he started these investigations where he, as Speaker, would be able to appoint replacements and moving forward, they'd just be able to continue on the work he's doing straight into the next session. And then if he wanted right. to, you know, nominate somebody else And, hey, speaker, why not try to throw Matt Gates in as the head of judiciary? You know exactly what he's got the capability of doing. He sits on the Judiciary Committee. He's a fighter. He's proven. So, uh, you know, have uh, Jim Jordan take over as Speaker of the House, throw Matt Gates or someone like that into a key role within judiciary to be able to lead this forward. And, and, and just to go ahead and point it out, you know, right now it's between Jim and, and Steve Scalise. I, I personally really, really like Steve. I think Steve's been a sure. great, you know, leader and a good advocate. But the reality is, is that, you know, Steve is facing some things that he's dealing with medically. And I think that this additional stress that would be put on him is not only unfair, but potentially result in only a, a, a part-time speaker. And so, um, you know, when I look at the overarching ability to unify HFC and the five families, I think that it's key to have someone who understands what the American, you know, people want, who's got an actual pulse of what we're trying to achieve here. And so when it comes to that, again, I just lean a little bit more towards uh, my good friend Jim Jordan to be able to lead the whole, like, you know, lead the party, but also to try and make sure that in 2024, that we have a good and prosperous showing to maintain the House, flip the Senate, and also help President Trump come back into office. That's the game plan right there. He kind of laid it out for us, and we really are appreciative of that. Congressman, we're obviously going to be live linking your congressional website in the show description today. We want everyone directed to there, see all the great works you're doing. But for anyone that wants to check you out on social media as well, where can they find you? 
Or they can find me at Corey Mills FL on my Twitter handle, but also you can go to millsforflorida.com and uh, hopefully throw your support behind me and just know that I'm going to continue to fight. And even if you don't live in the Florida 7th District, you believe in constitutionality and American first principles, then I am your representative. I'm going to continue to fight. No, listen, you've been doing an absolutely phenomenal job up there. Our listenership has heard it from several of the congressmen and women that have come on the show. And anytime you've got a couple of minutes to come and share with our listenership, we take that as a win. This is the congressman that's representing Florida 7, and he's fighting for America first up on Capitol Hill. Representative Corey Mills, thanks for getting the show kicked off, and have a great weekend. Thank you. You as well. And when it comes to how those raise money, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight from those who would grovel and bend knee for the lobbyists and special interests who own our leadership, who have, oh, boo all you want, who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. I'll be happy to fund my political operation through the work of hardworking Americans, 10 and 20 and $30 at a time, and you all keep showing up at the lobbyist fundraisers and see how that goes for you. I reserve. Conservative. Every, look, you all know Matt Gates. You know it was personal. It had nothing to do about spending. It had nothing to do about everything he accused somebody of he was doing. It all was about getting attention from you. I mean, we're getting email fundraisers from him as he's doing it. Join in quickly. That's not governing. That's not becoming of a member of Congress. And regardless of what you think, I've seen the text. It was all about his ethics. But that's all right. I'd like to start by thanking Speaker McCarthy for his service. Uh, we had a great personal relationship uh, trying to lead to very different uh, parts of the American government. Um, I think he has much to be uh, proud of. Um, we avoided a government shutdown. We did the inevitable with regard to the debt ceiling. And I'm one person who is extremely grateful for his service. <clears throat> the meetings about this in the last 24 hours, has anybody in the West Wing heard anybody talking about the possibility of Speaker Trump? This is something for House Republicans to figure out. This is something for them to fix. We're not going to get involved in the speakership. We don't care who they, who is in the race or who is out the race. That is not for us to figure out. The president doesn't have a vote. No one here has a vote. They have to figure this out. Jumping into the news portion of our show on this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm still Ron Noah's, I believe, still here. Yup. You didn't seem too enthused behind that one. Mm. A little sleepy? A little bit. We still love you, though. Yep. Hey, listen. I'm so glad that the motion to vacate was completed after our Tuesday show just ended. 
and that we had two whole days for all of the larger corporate apparatus of the media. Don't worry, we'll hear another one of those later. I saved mm. one for you, Noah. To go and make the wildest assumptions on where the dust settles and where we go from here as a country. Now, I heard they're going to make Zelensky Speaker of the House. You know what? I wouldn't doubt that his name isn't up for nomination. (laughs) No, that's going to be one of the big talking points, though. The ending of Ukraine funding and the nearly 65 border walls worth of cash, aid, funding, military equipment that we sent over to the uh, top three most corrupt country in the planet. We saw it end the other day, Noah. We saw Representative McHenry almost break his wrist when he slammed the gavel like a baby. Yeah, why was he getting so angry? I just wanted Kevin McCarthy's buddies. But we did see some retribution for the Democrats aligning with the, what they're calling the Gates 8. And, you know, getting the votes that they needed across to get McCarthy out of there. Those eight House Republicans that sided with the Democrats in the motion to vacate were Biggs, Buck, Burchett, Crane, Gates, Good, Mace, and Rosendale. Anna Paulina Luna and, and Corey Mills were out of the office but definitely would have been yes votes if needed. And we made a little history. After that, the news media went into a tussy. A tussy. About who could be the Speaker of the House. And as you heard in the last of our opening montage, President Trump was asked about his name being thrown out there and said he'd do whatever it takes to help the party and bring it together, and that he's heard that some people are mentioning his name. However... Just in the last 12 hours, we're in the 10 o'clock hour here on our Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. Donald Trump has thrown his full and complete endorsement behind Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, who now we could all but assume will be the Speaker of the House. People that were also thinking about considering getting in the race, like Byron Donalds has endorsed Jim Jordan, obviously Matt Gates, and a lot of the people in the Freedom Caucus. I saw Bob Good, uh, Rep Klein, Ralph Norman, who was on the show on Tuesday, has thrown his hat. And, and, and his uh, weight behind Jim Jordan as well for the speakership. And then next week we're going to have a conference, uh, I believe on Tuesday, where behind closed doors they're going to present their candidacies to the caucus and let everybody know what they're all about, what promises they plan on making, and just what they intend to do to actually keep them this time. And it's all been but confirmed that Donald Trump is going to return to Capitol Hill for the first time since January 6th and attend the House Speaker Conference. So a lot of developments, but I think here on Steak for Breakfast, we always take it just a little bit better angle than everybody else. We're not going to boomer it like Levin and boomer sweat Sean Hannity. We're not going to, like, get everybody drooling over a Donald Trump speakership like Steve Bannon does, all those other guys over there in the circle of friends. Mm. We're going to have some of the highlights and the best meltdowns and just show you exactly who all of these people are and why it is horrible that in a lot of instances, America first tolerates them still. I am going to stick in the thread of Kevin McCarthy, just one more clip here. And this was from his post vacated speakership press conference. And he decided to take shots at the eight congressmen and women who decided to join with Democrats to vote him out. Let's hear it. You, Paul Ryan. Eric Cantor, yeah. Now, all 
Well, we're, we're not that young anymore. Say Trump will No, let's be fair, and it's wrong that you ever say. They are not conservatives. They voted against, one, the greatest cut in history that Congress has ever voted for, two trillion. They voted against work requirements. They voted against NEPA reform. They voted against border security. They voted against... They don't get to say they're conservative because they're angry and they're chaotic. That's not the party I belong to. The party of Reagan was if you believed in your principles you that, that you could govern in a conservative way. They are not conservatives and they do not have the right to have the title. Me. <laughs> Cope and seethe. They're not the party of Reagan. They're not conservatives like me that is one of the biggest problems that the republican party has with getting anything done over the course of the last now nearly eight years is that the word conservative and the term republican is changing it's evolving back into an america first type mold and these old school conservatives who want to promise that Social Security and Medicare will never be touched and that they're going to deliver tax cuts and comprehensive immigration reform is always going to be the way that Republicans are going to act. And it's just not that way anymore. We don't care about that stuff. If everything else in this country was fixed, I don't care if I get a tax cut. If I didn't have to worry about walking outside the house and dying when I go to the grocery store. Or if my kids are going to be taught how to like give each other blowjobs when they're five years old. Or that there's people on the terrorist watch list pouring across the border. Or that Russia, North Korea, Iran, and every other country that hates us on the planet is thinking about launching nukes. And China is just doing whatever they can to buy up every piece of land, including here in the United States, across the planet. I wouldn't care about any of that tax cuts and comprehensive immigration reform, which is essentially amnesty, which mm -hmm. is the, the Republican platform. If they just went and, and got with the program here and let go of the power they have and embrace the chance they have to take this party forward. And that's the big there there. You're seeing a lot of people in the old school who just don't like it anymore. You know, I heard a good rumor this week, and I actually asked a couple of our congressional staffers who are friendly with the show if they thought or heard that this might have been true. So, you know, Ken Buck was one of the eight who voted to oust Kevin McCarthy. Mm -hmm. He was in talks with a mainstream media news platform about not running for re-election next year, and just pulling a Trey Gowdy and Jason Chaffetz and, and abandoning their positions as, you know, heads of committees, doing all these investigations, love to go on TV and get the talking points. Screw that and go get a, a bigger six-figure salary from, let's just say, Fox News or CNN and just be a commentator there. It's bullshit. But these people are starting to see the writing on the wall. You know, Matt Gates was hard-pressed the night that the speaker was vacated. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with fundraising. People started raising the points that people like Nancy Mace, Anna Paulina Luna, and Matt Gates, some of the younger people in Congress, were fundraising off the fact that, you know, you get the email or the text message, I followed up on my promise to vacate the speaker if they didn't do what they told us they were going to do in January. Donate five, 10, 25, whatever dollars to me, which I don't think is a bad thing. Listen, Hey, Noah, do you think anybody in the eight are going to be getting McCarthy bucks heading into this election cycle? There's McCarthy bucks? You know how many of our America First candidates he screwed over yeah. by having these establishment douchebags who got up behind him on Tuesday on Capitol Hill and, and defended him to no end, you know, and just embarrassed themselves. 
I thought it was pretty funny that somebody asked McCarthy about the Young Guns book that had him, <laughs> Paul Ryan, and Eric Cantor on the cover, and they're essentially like, so now that Donald Trump has uh, essentially buried all of you guys in just over eight years, how does it make you feel? That's not a fair assessment. I'm not young anymore. That's such a weird argument. Mm-hmm. Matt Gates was pressed on the, on the fundraising outside of the lobby ships and the super PACs on Laura Ingram on Tuesday night. Let's hear him. Look, I think the concern here is that there, people are seeing your fundraisers instantly going out about this. You're raising money, and it, 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 it is oh, chaos right now. I'm eager right to address now. that. And, yeah, let, well, okay. on, let, let's address well, Is it the not fundraising. a fundraiser? I think we have a full screen of it. Yeah. Is it, is yeah. it a fundraiser or not? And, and everybody fundraises. Again, I'm not, I'm well, not just by saying the way, that is another criticism of what's yeah, going on If I can on get here. a word in here. Yeah, if I can get a word in here. I am the only Republican in the entire United States Congress who takes no lobbyist money and no PAC money. So absolutely, I communicate daily, vigorously with regular Americans because the only way I'm able to to advance my political goals is if just regular folks give me 10, 20, 30 dollars. And so I will take no lecture from the likes of people who do three lobbyist fundraisers a day and trade favors in order to get cash from special interests on how I raise money. And I take deep offense to anyone who wants to criticize the the mailman, the, the active duty service member, the grandmother who believes in me and goes to MattGates.com to donate. Matter of fact, right. I hope they do that right now. And I'm not sorry play? for it at all because yeah. I won't take the lobbyist and pack money like every other person here does. Well, I think that's awesome that you don't. I think it's Put her ass in nah. nah. Her Botox was melting. He was getting so spicy. Mm. Now listen. Noah, do you have any problem with it? Any of the eight fundraising off the motion to vacate? First time it's happened ever. Yeah, well, I mean, now is the time where you have this position of power to take advantage of it and try to make some make some gains. Yeah. I mean, it's not like he's going to be getting any money from the, the caucus-y re-election campaigns. Well, you already know he doesn't do the donor thing. I mean, come on. It's the truth. And, I mean, Matt comes from a wealthy family. But that's neither here nor there. He shouldn't have to self-fund himself every time he runs for re-election. Nope. These things aren't free, even when you're a walkaway winner like he is in Florida 1. You know, I talked to Joel Valdez, who's probably one of the best, if not the best, staffers up on Capitol Hill. He's the one that had a Congressman Gates join us on the show a couple times before. He said he will be getting him in here over the course of the next two weeks. So, listen, it, it goes with just like everybody else. I put out the receipt. I can only go off of what these guys say. I know he's doing an event with Tim Pool this weekend down in Miami, and obviously he's probably been requested to be on everybody's show uh, more than once since the motion to vacate has taken place. You know, we talked about retribution. So interim Speaker of the House, Representative McHenry, I guess was so pissed that the Democrats didn't bail out Kevin McCarthy that I don't know if you know this or not, Noah, but so the Speaker's office has sub-offices. And what it means is you have a lot shorter trip from any of the other buildings in the Capitol where you might be based off of, like, your standing or just basically the part of the country you represent. I don't know. You know, there's, like, the Cannon Building and all these other places. How far it takes to get back and forth to the actual chambers. So the top two Democrats under Hakeem Jeffries just in the pecking order, Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyers, had, like, they called them, like, hideaway offices. Yeah, I saw that. What is that? They, they just had sub-offices that were attached to Kevin McCarthy's. It was like a uh, tradition that they would be able to, you know, hang out there after. Oh, so it was the boys' club. Exactly. That's what I was trying to get out of you. Here's the thing. McHenry said, you guys have 24 hours to get your shit out of these offices because I've already put in the order to change the locks tomorrow. And then now, how big are these offices? Like pool table size or room closet? 
they have hallways leading to an open office. Oh, that's pretty big. With windows. So anyways, Nancy Pelosi gets on the podium in Southern California because she knows she, she traveled back with the body of a uh, recently departed Senator Dianne Feinstein and was like, oh, I can't believe that they're making me, I'm not even there to defend myself. And then the next thing you know, like Representative McHenry put a picture uh, on his ex, formerly Twitter account of like the carts getting taken out of the office with all their <laughs> belongings on it. And it's like, you know, we're going to have that kind of back and forth moving forward because Listen, Kevin McCarthy did this to himself. Release the January 6th tapes. Don't send people on congressional recess for six weeks and at least attempt to get the 12 appropriation bills done. The other one or two things that you promised to do, which weren't a big fucking deal, and don't make side deals on Ukraine. Mm -hmm. You know, we played the audio on the show where Kevin McCarthy was like, well, what is, what is Vladimir Zelensky? Is he now the president of the United States? Does he get to demand where our money goes? And then, like we told everybody, literally 10 minutes after that, Press gaggle. He put on his Ukraine handkerchief and his Ukraine lapel pin, and him and Hakeem Jeffries went and took pictures with Vladimir Zelensky on the Capitol. So don't listen to anybody that's saying, like, oh, he did a better job than any speaker. And no, he didn't do anything. He folded on everything. That's not bipartisanship. That's just allowing Joe Biden to have legislative wins. Some of the only things Joe Biden could say he got done for the American public throughout the course of his presidency so far, besides shit his pants and fall, have come at the bending of the knee from Kevin McCarthy and him alone. Period. And now you're going to hear some of the meltdowns of people who actually know this and are really pissed that America First and Matt Gates and the seven other congressmen and women who joined him have exposed this. But before we do that, wherever you guys are listening today, listen to another huge edition of the show. Noah's hyped about it. Oh! Wherever you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, <laughs> and iHeartRadio, make sure you're subscribed to and following the show. Make sure the show's downloading. If you just do it so it automatically downloads, you'll always have steak for breakfast, and it helps us out in the top 100, in the algorithms. We come up with suggestions more. Also on social media, Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram. Find the Steak for Breakfast account. Hit the notification bell. Make sure you're following the accounts. All right, moving forward here. First one I'm going to play, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich who is probably best known for working towards getting Bill Clinton impeached. Mm. We also don't talk about that often, the fact that when his wife was dying with cancer, uh, he divorced her and, and married someone he was having an affair with. And he also started this chain of continuing resolutions and omnibuses on how budgetarily our government is ran. You could tell which Newt Gingrich presented himself on... Boomer sweat Sean Hannity because he had an absolute fucking meltdown following the motion to vacate. Let's hear him. 96% of the Republicans voted for McCarthy. 4% voted against him. From my position as a longtime Republican activist, they're traitors. All eight of them should, in fact, be primaried. They should all be driven out of public life. Oh. What they did was to go to the other team to cause total chaos. We ought to be focusing on Biden. We ought to be focusing on the economy. We ought to be focusing on the border. Instead, you're going to get a week or 10 days of the media focusing on Republican disarray. It's an astonishingly destructive behavior by a handful of egocentric people who think they're superior to 96% of the conference. Who sounds like they're superior talking down to everybody else in that audio clip I just played, Noah? Listen, peasants. Mm -hmm. How dareth. How dare the whores. You want to talk about some of the stuff that's going on behind the scenes right now? 
you have uh, some bipartisanship going on between Matt Gates and California Congressman Ro Khanna. I'd like to get him on the show. He seems like he's one of the more moderates that I can actually stomach. Mm-hmm. And they're working on some good stuff. They're working on some bipartisan things, which include, again, a lot of the stuff we want promised, the individualized appropriations bills, but also congressional term limits. We need that so bad. And banning all trading from anyone in Congress. Yeah, if you make it so Congress isn't a gimmick to just be fucking rich and then maybe make some political decisions on the side, that's probably a good thing for the country. Oh, it certainly is. And, you know, I I like the fact that even after something as historic as removing the Speaker of the House, first time ever. Yeah, can you imagine? Like, you're going to go down in the history books as the only guy that that's happened to Mm -hmm. so far. But it's good to see some moderate Democrats coming over to the middle of the aisle and being like, hey, you want to work on some stuff? Let me let me read you some of the things that these guys are working on together right now. This is the Kana Gates items that can happen merely by changing the House rules. Number one, ban lobbyists and pack donations to members. Lobbyist foreign agent registration ban for former members. I like it. I like it. Yep. So it affects current and former members. Ban congressional stock trading ad hoc. Yes. Increase the motion to vacate threshold. Ooh. So that means it wouldn't just take one person. It might take a collective group of people or a legitimate reason why to vacate the speaker. And the last one, like I already mentioned, single spending bills, single subject spending bill requirement uh, to pass a budget. And that just goes towards, you know, getting this country back on track. I wish Newt Gingrich was the worst of the meltdowns, but I do have and save the best for last before we jump into who is potentially going to be the speaker. Just to remind everybody, we're going to be sitting down with Representative Klein for the first time in just a minute, but one of his congressional counterparts in the Republican caucus. So I've, I've come up with a new nickname for him. You have to go back to the pictures of his face cleanly shaven, not the goatee he bears now. So, you know, Chip Roy, some people refer to him as Chip Soy. <laughs> I'm going to go with taking it a step further. I'm going to call him Chinless Chip Soy. And he had... By far, the most spectacular meltdown that I have heard in a long time. Really? On the Steve D Show, Wednesday afternoon. Let's check it out. Some of our brothers and sisters, particularly in the uh, you know uh, MAGA camp, I think, uh, particularly enjoy the circular firing squad. You want to come at me and call me a rhino? You can kiss my ass. Look, I've spent a lifetime fighting for limited government conservatism. I have laid it all on the line. I've not seen my family but for two days in the last 30 days. You go around talking your big game and you thumping your chest on Twitter. Yeah, come to my office and come out of a debate, mother. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm standing up for this country every single day. And Steve, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go to a nunnery. Because God damn it, there were people who were buried over in Normandy who deserve us to stand oh, up for God, what they fought for. Him. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do. Can't and all of you fuckers out there who are out there saying what you're saying out on social media, you stick it. I'm going to go down to the floor and do my job, and I'm going to stand up for the people who fought for this country. And I'm going to do it the way I think is right for the people that I represent. That's what I think. What happened to a country where we can't even have order? (laughs) You want to know what Ron DeSantis should be talking about as being the governor who can restore order as president of the United States? You know, Steve Deese talks about how much of a... I saw Matt Gates use a bicycle as a weapon. (laughs) Write it down so we don't forget it later. (laughs) Listen... All Steve Deese does is talk about being a good Christian, and then you have chinless Chip Soy coming on there saying, I don't need to go to a nunnery, and then dropping GDs and, and MFers. Didn't he say, I, I 
haven't been with my family for two days in the last 30. Mm-hmm. So he basically said he he's for 30 days he had been with his family minus two days. I, I think he meant it the other way around. <laughs> and he just came back from a fucking six-week break. I mean, cry me a fucking river. Yeah, right. You know, and everybody got sent home. If you want to stay up in Washington, D.C., when everybody gets dismissed until maybe Monday. He was, maybe he was talking about the six-week break, and he was just at the strip club the whole time. <laughs> the gay strip club? I mean, you said it, not me. I can't stand that guy. And then, of course, he has to throw Ron DeSantis. Oh, Ron DeSantis, president. Shut up. Yeah, no We're not cares. talking about 9% Ron anymore on the show. <laughs> Boring. Exactly. Which is where we get to in real time right now. A lot of stuff going on behind the scenes. We did get the full and total endorsement from Donald Trump regarding Jim Jordan. I do want to be able to read that endorsement for you guys right now. This came out last night late on True Social. Congressman Jim Jordan has been a star long before making his very successful journey to Washington, D.C., representing Ohio's 4th Congressional District. Respected by all, he is now the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. As president, I had the honor of presenting Jim with our country's highest civilian award, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. So much is learned from sports, and Jim was a master. While attending Graham High School, he won state championships all four years, a rarity, and compiled an amazing 156-1 and record. This is in wrestling. At the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Jim became a two-time NCAA Division I wrestling champion. He won the 1985-86 NCAA championship matches in his weight class. Jim has a master's degree in education from Ohio State University and a law degree from Capital University. He is strong on crime, the borders, our military and vets, and Second Amendment. Jim and his wife, Polly, and family are outstanding, and he will be a great Speaker of the House and has my complete and total endorsement. So in one fell swoop, Donald Trump takes himself out of the nomination process, tries to restore order to the Republicans who have been urging the rest of the caucus to get their shit together, and throws his large name behind the Ohio congressman to pick up the speaker gavel and get to work next week. Jim Jordan jumped on boomer sweats. Sean Handy last night. I've got a pair of clips to end the segment here. One I don't really like too much, but the other one will check it out as well. Let's hear the one on the possibility of another continuing resolution. Will there be all these other votes that members have been talking about? Term limits, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We, 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 brought up, we brought up term limits in, in, in the committee last week and had a vote on that legislation in the committee last week. Yeah, we need to do all that, Sean. But in 40 days, the stopgap spending measure runs out. We have to have a plan as a conference again. When we elect our new speaker, we have to have a plan that 218 of us support on how we're going to deal with that. How are we going to deal with when we get to November? We can't have the same thing unfold that unfolded last week. So I think that we have to look at another stopgap measure that would kick in the 1% cut. There's legislation in place right now in the that says if we have a CR, that, a continuing resolution that goes into next year, there's an automatic 1% cut that takes place. There's nothing like a cut to spending that focuses politicians' attention. So we need that threat hanging there to be leveraged for us to get the policies you just talked about. The policies where we can win on the border issue, on the crime issue, on inflation. That's what, but that's the only way this town can operate is when there's, that, when there's that kind of leverage and there's that kind of deadline hanging there where real cuts are going to happen that we can actually get people to focus and get our work done. So that's what I think we have to do in order to deal with what's coming in 40 short days. If you're elect- hmm. So Noah, I mean, the way he's looking at it right now is they had 45 days when the CR was initiated, right? Mm-hmm. Then it's a week to vacate the speaker. Yep. It's another few days before they nominate and elect a new one. 
And now you're looking at roughly, let's just say, 30 days to get the last nine appropriation bills done. It's a pretty tall task when you had eight months to do it and couldn't figure it out. Yeah, they should have been done already. Not only that, but the current 45-day continuing resolution ends a week before the Thanksgiving holiday. Now, I'm not advocating for it, and I know, sure as hell, you aren't either. But at some point, do we have to look at reality? And one of the things Jim Jordan was kind of teasing right there is the fact that we might not have to have another short-term stop-gap spending bill to make sure the appropriations get done because, hypothetically, we're entering the holiday season. Once Thanksgiving hits, I mean, Washington, D.C. shuts down the second week in November. They don't open up until sometimes in February. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't expect our congressmen and women to be taking that much time off, especially in a time of dire straits like this, but you can't really put it past them. He did have one more clip. So one other thing that I'm hearing very loudly from people is they want to see the Republicans. They don't want to get stuck here. They don't want 15 more votes. They want this settled, and they want you guys back to work. Are you confident that that's going to happen by this time next week? Are you confident that we're going to have a new speaker and it's going to be you? It has to happen. We shouldn't go to the House floor until we have 218 votes for the Speaker of the United States House of Representatives. We shouldn't have to go through what we did back in January. I'm all for that. I think I can bring our team together to accomplish that. And more importantly, once we get that done, to do the work that needs to be done on the border, on crime, on inflation, on all these issues we have to address. I think I can do that. That's why I decided to run. And, you know, when you look at it, Jim Jordan, who adamantly didn't want it, maybe it was because everybody was kind of gifting it to Kevin McCarthy, who hadn't had it the last time he was kind of in line for it because of the affair he had with another congresswoman. Oops. Before the one he had with MTG. Oops. (laughs) But now it's one of those things where, I don't know, what do you think? Jim Jordan's rolled out quite a few great investigations on the House Judiciary Committee. He's also produced a lot of great, I would say, nearing the threshold of impeachable offenses for both Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas in, in committee hearings as well. Yeah. He's done a lot of work on the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry as he's a co-chair there. Now, he'd be abandoning all of these posts to become Speaker of the House, and he'd be probably appointing uh, new people to these places. So I don't really worry about his judgment or the work that he's done at this point, but I just feel like getting through the election cycle and having someone with such a strong alignment to Donald Trump, I mean, he's an adamant supporter during the 2022 midterm election cycle, whenever Donald Trump did any kind of rally, and it didn't even have to be in Ohio, there was often times where Jim Jordan was there. And he's been an open and, and pretty hard supporter of the president since day one. And, and I think Donald Trump's felt the same way about him. So I think this is kind of a move where he can, uh, you know, he can be like a continuing resolution for the rest of this session. And then if Donald Trump can win the White House next year and the Republicans keep the majority in the House have somebody else come in and be the speaker, and Jim Jordan could resume his activities for a full session moving forward. I don't know. What do you think? It kind of seems like the play here. I mean, what other play do we have at this point? you got to do something. I hated Jump he, in. I hated that he said the word January when he talks about getting the rest of the appropriations done. But, Yikes. I mean, not too many people know how the uh, federal bingo calendar works. Right. But here we are, and, and and we'll continue to track it. We're actually going to be sitting down with Representative Klein for the first time right now, so we'll talk to him about it as well. Uh, but before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, T-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. All right, joining us next on the show today, this Big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. He's a congressman that represents Virginia's 6th District. Sitting down with us for the first time, we're extremely excited 
to be talking to Representative Klein. Congressman, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be with you guys. Big fan. Well, you guys have had a, uh, I don't even know if you can call it busy, just a hectic couple of weeks up there on the Hill. And now the dust is starting to settle as we're getting ready to head into the first weekend. I'm sure there's a lot of news going on behind closed doors. I did see this morning that you gave an endorsement to Jim Jordan to uh, assume the speaker gavel after next week's vote. You want to just give our listenership a little bit of up to the minute on Friday where you guys are at in the House of Representatives? Well, uh, never let it be said that it's not a, an interesting place in uh, Washington, D.C. When things get crazy, you know, we've got divided government and it just means we've got to stand strong for our conservative values. And uh, Jim Jordan is the leader who's going to be able to carry those values as speaker best. I've, I've worked with him in the Freedom Caucus. I've worked with him. He's chairman of the Judiciary Committee where I sit, and he's uh, given me a subcommittee to enforce compliance with subpoenas. Uh, so we've been working real hard to uh, on this weaponization committee and others to get the job done in holding this administration accountable. And he's going to continue to do that job as speaker. You know, it's very perilous time for our republic. And we need not only steady hands, but aggressive hands on the tiller to make sure that the job gets done. Hey, I mean, at the very end of the day and, and very least of it all, I mean, Congressman Jordan could just get somebody on the mat and take him down if you wanted to, right? <laughs> yep, we've got, uh, heck, we've got in our conference, uh, NF, former NFL players, Green Berets, we've got wrestlers, we've got uh, you name it, and uh, uh, we, we can uh, be as aggressive as we need to be to make sure our values are delivered. You know, I know Linda McMahon worked in the last administration. You keep talking like that. And Vince McMahon's going to come down looking to make a deal with you guys in the House of Representatives, I'm telling you what. Um, well, listen, you mentioned some of your uh, jobs is on the committees that you work up on Capitol Hill, Congressman. I think it's really important to point out the judiciary, all the great work you guys have done uh, so far, you know, taking people like Merrick Garland and Alejandro Mayorkas to task, also focusing in on getting those receipts into the Biden crime family and all of those things. But in terms of getting back to work, you're also on the House Appropriations Committee and the Budget Committee as well. The American people were very concerned with the economy. Obviously, Bidenomics is a uh, failed campaign talking point of uh, Biden-Harris 2024. When they see you guys heading in and, and more and more people coming out and endorsing Jim Jordan, how much reassurance do you want to be able to give the voters, the constituents, and, and all the Americans in this country that getting back to work and, and getting this uh, you know, government up and functioning again at a normal rate is something that you guys are dead set on doing? Well, we should not have recessed for the week. Uh, you know, I, I think it was a mistake to go home. I'm always happy to see my family, but at the same time, we need to get the work of the people done. So uh, staying up there, making sure we get a speaker elected is so critical, not just to reassure the public, but also to get our work done. We've got only half of our appropriations bills done. That was part of the problem with uh, our, our previous uh, leadership, quite frankly. We uh, did not work in June, July, and August to get these appropriations bills through and conference with the Senate like we should have. And uh, that's why I think uh, we need somebody like Jim Jordan, who's going to make sure that those schedules get met, that we don't need continuing resolutions that just kick the can down the road. Uh, you know, I'm I was very opposed to this latest one that just kept the Pelosi train rolling. Yeah. And didn't you know, I'm glad it didn't have any money for Ukraine in it, but it didn't have any money for the border in it. And so, you know, there were a lot of problems with that. And we've got to get the job done here in 40 days or so without any additional continuing resolutions, I think we can do it, but boy, it's gonna, we shouldn't even be home right now. We should be in Washington working 
24-7 for the people. Oh, we agree with you. And, and you know, that's not – you're not alone. There's so many congressmen and women who have come on the show in the last week or so, at least, who have, who've, you know, championed the same thing. Bob Good, obviously, uh, a couple other ones as well. And uh, we know once you guys get this speaker thing behind you, it, it seems like it's going to be full steam ahead. We're very optimistic of that. But, you know, you did mention the border. Now, I, I've heard from certain facets of the government up there in Washington, D.C. recently that borders – especially walls and barriers. They don't work. They may be racist at times as well. It seems like, though, this week, falling back on some 2019 appropriations that were never met, Joe Biden and Alejandro Mayorkas are going to be forced to build at least 20 miles of said barrier or wall. Talking about all the stuff that's going on right now, especially in places like Tucson, Laredo, and El Paso, where they're just being overrun with illegal migrants right now, Congressman, how do you feel about, number one, seeing more wall getting built, and number two, getting ready to get that border locked down once you guys get back in gear? You know, we passed H.R. 2 as one of our first orders of business to the strongest border control legislation in history. It's sitting in the Senate collecting dust. Uh, we've tried to leverage, whether it's leverage the debt ceiling, leverage our appropriations bills, leverage our uh, even uh, continuing resolution to get action on the border. The Senate will not budge. So, uh, you know, we're we're going to keep on this issue, but never let it be said that a politician uh, is is going to change his mind. So Joe Biden wants to flip-flop, say first that the wall, not another inch of wall, is going to be built under his administration. And then he wants to go ahead and waive all the regulations protecting all of the, uh, the all of the animals and birds and, and whatnot to build another wall, uh, section of the wall. That's, that's great because, uh, quite frankly, we've got a, an immigration crisis going on that he has never acknowledged. He still doesn't acknowledge. I don't know his, his reasoning for building this extra section of wall, uh, but uh, to get him or his borders are Kamala to acknowledge that there's mm -hmm. a problem uh, is, is going to take. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take, but the but the millions who are coming across the border are creating real problems for uh, not just border communities, but every every community is now a border community dealing with the drugs, dealing with the human trafficking, and the sex trafficking. And it's it's out of control. No, it certainly is. I think the funniest question yesterday that was asked in the White House press pool was when Fox News' Peter Ducey hit up KGP and asked her, if border walls don't work, and, and in fact they are racist, once you guys are finished building them, are you just going to knock it down? And she got real <laughs> butthurt about that one. But, you know, it, it just it's a microcosm of the joke that this administration has taken as far as their stance on border security goes. I mean, not only the amount of people that have come in, more alarming the amount of getaways and people on the terror watch list that have been encountered, but the brave men and women who go down there and have to do the work every day, the Border Patrol, the Customs agents, the uh, ICE agents, and DPS, they are just absolutely run bare thin and are really hoping that in the next year leading into the general election cycle we could get uh, the House moving and then a president in here who's going to take border security seriously. Absolutely. We've got uh, brave men and women on the border. I've met them in Texas. I've met them in Yuma, Arizona. But, uh, you know, you also talk to the farmers in Yuma, uh, talk to the uh, people who are dealing with the hospitals there that are overrun, uh, the transportation system, the education system. Uh, it's, it's amazing the burden on resources that these illegals are creating. And not to mention the crime, the, the prisons that are overcrowded, uh, the victims that are, are having to deal with the losses of loved ones. It's it's really tragic what's happening. We've got to steer resources toward them. We have limited resources, but we have got to uh, at least forward funding toward them. And that's why these first four bills we passed 
through the House where defense, they represent Republican priorities, defense, uh, border security, homeland security. Uh, we also did, um, we, we made sure uh, that we focused on, we tried to focus on agriculture, but uh, that one, the moderates defeated because they claimed that it cut too deep. So uh, the veterans, you know, we funded our veterans. So we've got to make sure that we focus on our priorities before we focus on uh, other areas like uh, the Federal Department of Education, which I don't even think should exist. <laughs> but uh, uh, there, there are a lot of different uh, agencies that need cuts and eliminations in their programs. And DOJ, uh, we're coming for them next. Congressman, we're going to have to have you back at some point. You're lobbing them up for me in just the way I wanted to ask you. Last thing I wanted to touch on, Joe Biden and everything he's got going on in his reelection campaign right now is not serving up anything that the American public is definitely interested in, not border security, not combating crime, not our geopolitical stance in the world, definitely not uh, you know, bringing down the prices of gas, anything of that nature. Yesterday he found another way to circumvent a court ruling and you know, just go around the parameters of the – the things that they said he's allowed to and and not do, and now he's forgiven more billions in student loan debt up, as I think is an attempt to cater to the younger voters to come out and say, hey, if I give you a couple crumbs now, if I could just win re-election, I'll give you a whole bunch more. You know this is unconstitutional and illegal. This should not be something that our president's doing, especially in this economy and what the climate in the United States is. Not talking about climate change, general climate here. <laughs> right. But the thing is, I just want you to weigh in on that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. That you shouldn't be. We shouldn't have others paying the bills uh, that some students took out for student loans. We should be forcing uh, them to pay back the loans that they took out. That's the way the system works. And uh, just because our president is trying to curry favor with young people, uh, because he sees Cornell West looming with his independent candidacy, is no justification for actually putting this burden on hardworking, taxpaying families, blue-collar families, families that didn't have uh, that ability to, to go to college or, or to get that extra education. Yeah, that's it right there. I mean, we, we have to be able to uh, – there, there's a long list of stuff we need to take care of, but eventually holding him accountable for continuing to pander to these young voters with things like forgiving bits and pieces of loan forgiveness right there is uh, something that I hope the Congress is willing to address and then push back on uh, you know, in, in court as well. Congressman, this has been awesome sitting down with you today. We're obviously going to live link your congressional website in the show description, but for anyone that's not following you and wants to check you out, where can they see you? Uh, Klein.house.gov is the official site, and uh, uh, I hope that folks can uh, visit the webpage. It links to uh, everything on, on Facebook. Um, uh, Rep.ben.klein is the Facebook account, is the Instagram account, is the Twitter account. So uh, check it out and follow me, and hopefully we can get some uh, good things done here in Washington. And hopefully we'll be having you back on the show soon. This is the congressman who's representing Virginia 6, sitting down for the first time with us today. It was great speaking with Representative Ben Klein. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, guys. Trump's comments were offensive. They were baseless. They were void of any facts and or any evidence. What they were were comments that unfortunately fomented violence, comments that I would describe as race baiting, and comments unfortunately that appeals to the bottom of our humanity. This case was brought simply because it was a case where individuals have engaged in a pattern and practice of fraud. And I will not sit idly by and allow anyone to subvert the law. And business empire are wrapped up in all of that. Um, more witnesses testified. 
as New York Attorney General Letitia James is trying to make her case that the Trump Organization committed fraud. The former president with brief comments just a couple minutes ago. Let's watch. This trial is a total witch hunt, and I should be entitled to a jury like everybody else is entitled to a jury. I have no rights to have a jury. It's ridiculous. Thank you very much. All right. So that. Well, he's not wrong. As you can tell, Donald Trump's uh, Manhattan case is going pretty smooth. Obviously, no problems there. Mm hmm. You know what? The uh, funny videos that have come out of it, especially the ones that have like the full house or the office theme song to I it. I still can't believe those were real. I thought it was a face swap of an 80s sitcom or but, 90s sitcom. Sorry. Listen, there's just a lot of stuff going on re regarding Donald Trump. And I can't believe that this guy is just moving all over the place as fast as he can, because to pick up everything and just go sit inside of that New York courtroom Basically, it's an intimidation factor. It's like, you're going to try to er erase my legacy. I'm going to sit here and make sure that you are looking at me straight in the face when you try to do it. And, you know, as we reported on our Tuesday edition of the show, a lot of the stuff from 2001 to 2014 have pretty much been erased. But, uh, you know, you, you saw another order this week come from the judge regarding this case. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was yesterday. On Thursday, Judge Arthur N. Goron, Noah said it would be a great Transformers name. Mm-hmm issued a directive preventing former President Donald Trump from moving his assets without prior notification to a court-appointed monitor. So now they're going to try and see if he's going to move any of his stuff around in New York before they try to liquidate it, but I think the appeals process will save this at least in the short term. The it's order insane that, that this is happening. Yeah. It's the, crazy. The order requires Trump and his co-defendants to reveal all entities they possess and to provide a prior notice of any anticipated transfer of assets or liability to any other entities. This is according to Fox News. This goes outside of just Donald Trump. Besides Trump, the order also encompasses Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, the Trump Organization's former CFO, Alan Weisselberg, I heard he's a great guy, and its controller, Jeffrey McConney. The group is given until October 26th to submit the relevant details to ex-federal judge Barbara Jones, who is currently supervising the finances of the Trump Organization. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a mess. It's a mess. You know, you want to talk about the uncharted territory, that this shit is is dragging our country through right now because of, uh, you know, what they're trying to do to Donald Trump. And it's just not going to stop there. You know, Letitia James is, is Donald Trump referred to her, I believe, this week as an animal. And I'm talking about Letitia Tish Peekaboo mm -hmm. James, the embattled attorney who campaigned on suing Donald Trump. That was her whole platform. As a matter of fact, let's listen to a little bit of it. The president of the United States has complained that I'm engaging in some sort of political witch hunt, that I've got some personal vendetta against him, that I campaigned against him. That is not true. This illegitimate president who sits in the White House. That president, because he's not my president, he's an illegitimate president. His days are numbered. His days are numbered. We've got to get ready to mobilize, and we've got to get ready to agitate and irritate until victory is won, but more importantly, until Trump is defeated. We will all rise up and resist this man. And ultimately, we'll bring him down. This illegitimate president, I'm going to give you the same level of respect that you gave to President Obama, and that is absolutely no respect at all. Donald Trump has got to go, hey, hey. Donald Trump is back to go, hey, hey, oh, oh. In the days of Donald Trump, 
That is not true. She seems pretty fair and impartial. I mean, the, you know, the platform speaks for itself. <laughs> Can you believe that this is happening? Vagina. Man. What, what judge in their fucking right mind sits down and allows this to take place? Well, I, I'll tell you. It's the same judges that are just complicit with this country just being destroyed from the inside out. Yeah. And because they don't care, they don't see the big picture. They're just these little-minded assholes that are just Trump deranged. And that's what the judge is, that judge in Goron? We need a Transformers noise on He looks like somebody who got wedgies daily in high school. He definitely knows the inside of a locker and what that looks like. Oh, my God. He knows what it smells like. <sighs> He's a wino, obviously. During, a wino? During the pandemic, he would be caught all the time drinking on camera. I even saw a video on Drinking where? Like, he, he's doing court. And drinking wine? One th- he pulled out a friggin' 40. Started drinking it while he's... During court. While he's listening to court during the pandemic. Oh, he- this is Zoom called court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you're probably still not supposed to be, yeah. you know, imbibing. He, he's also been hot mic'd before saying he thinks that juries are stupid and that he likes the fact that he's a judge because at the end of the day he could overrule whatever decision they make. Yeah, it sounds like he's the perfect guy for this fucking job right now. Speaking of which, Mr. Marilardo himself. Marilardo. Michael Cohen jumped on with your favorite former White House press sec. <sighs> Great balls of fire, Jen Psaki. The star witness from this Manhattan case jumps into it and proprietes more lies on cable news last night. Let's hear it. This ruling is called a corporate death sentence by a number of people. You obviously are playing a key role like in this, Joker. but you're also a lawyer. What will it mean for Trump to lose control over several of his real estate holdings in New York? What does that actually look like? Well, first of all, I believe that it's more than just several. Once he loses the license within which to operate the good standing of the certificates of incorporation that make up what's called the Trump Corporation, the all not only is the main company uh, now going into the receivership, but there are hundreds of other subsidiary companies that additionally will ultimately go as part of the receivership. It is a financial catastrophe. It is the death blow to Donald. And I'll tell you, during my tenure at the Trump organization, I can tell you this has always been his biggest fear, that he would lose money, that he would lose all of his money, and that he would no longer be considered the mega billionaire that he tried to portray himself as. You know, where are the documents that were in these empty top secret files that were found at Mar-a-Lardo? I can't even hear him speak without just thinking Marlardo. If you don't think that this is personal and that when Donald Trump says retribution is coming. Now, I know this week Trump legal is asked to dismiss the defamation lawsuit against Michael Cohen. And I honestly think it's because something worse is coming. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you have watched what they have done to this man. And to think that this is about money or fame or ego or anything else, another wanting to finish the job that he promised when he started. I don't know. I, I don't think you're listening to the right vibes. We'll get into that in a second. Before we do, guys, wherever you're listening to the podcast today, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iHeartRadio, please make sure you're subscribed to the show. Follow us. Make sure it's downloading. Helps out in the top 100s. Helps out in the algorithms. It makes Steak for Breakfast more frequently seen when you log into your podcasting apps. In addition to that, on social media is Twitter, Getter, True Social, and Instagram – 
follow the accounts and make sure you hit the notification bell. So I talked about a lot of people boomering it up this week. There was some on the long in the tooth conservatism, like Newt Gingrich and Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram. But then, you know, some of the American first wing of boomer news. I'm talking about Steve Bannon, who was just frothing at the fact that Donald Trump might throw his name in the hat for speaker. Kind of broke it down a little bit and talked about this New York case. I thought it was a good piece. And I told Noah, promised him at the top of the show that we'd be saving one for a little bit down the road. Let's hear it. Donald Trump is going to be in trial on Monday in New York City to take his entire company and liquidate it. What he, he and his family have worked, I don't know, for 100 years for. You know what his sin was? You know what his sin was? That he ran for President of the United States to thwart the globalist Hillary Clinton and her, her, uh, her apparatus. Merrick Garland, I remember he was going to be, a, uh, if she had won, he was going to be in the Supreme Court for life, a lifetime appointment. That's Donald Trump's great sin. And the greater sin was after they stole the second term, was to return, like Cincinnatus, from the plow. What? He had no incentive to return. None. Except, no manifestation in the material world, except, except, to save. Save America. Mm. We love Steve. There's a lot of wind up for that. Hey, he was hung up on, he couldn't find a word. He was looking for apparatus. And he just pulled one out of, oh, just grab one out of thin air. Let me just throw it out there. But it's the truth. And, you know, this man has put his family's legacy on the line for this country and the deep state, the administrative state, the radical globalist Marxist communists who run this country right now, our federal law enforcement and justice departments are doing everything they can to make sure that Donald Trump's legacy is totally erased from the annals of history. Mm. I hate those annals. Those annals. We're going to have back-to-back interviews coming up right now. We're going to jump in with Wayne Dupree and then segue right over to Paul and Grassi. But before we do, i got one more clip. It's Donald Trump's full statement following his last day in court before he boarded a plane heading back to Iowa. He'll be speaking there on Saturday, October 7th, and be flagged by a small delegation of Iowa State reps and state senators. The Trump campaign announced yesterday that he will be speaking at the Cedar Rapids, Iowa, marking 100 days before the caucuses ground team address event. So looking forward to that. Before we jump into our next interview segments, let's hear the 45th president following his last appearance in court late Thursday afternoon. Is this is rigged. Because the judge knows whatever he's going to do. He said that Mar-a-Lago was worth $18 million and it's worth $1.5 billion or thereabouts. But he said it was worth $18 billion. So they defrauded us because he called me a fraud. He called me a fraud. And he values Mar-a-Lago at 18 million. 18 million. And you can't do that. It's worth probably 50 to 100 times more than that. And our corrupt attorney general, she's totally corrupt. She just wanted the publicity to run for governor. And then she failed running for governor. She got got practically nothing in terms of voting. But she went after Trump because she was running for governor. That's the only reason. But she got the judge to value Mar-a-Lago for $18 million. 
when a, the smallest house in Palm Beach is probably worth $50 million. <laughs> True. And this is the biggest, the best anywhere in the country. There's nothing like it. So they put it down at $18 million, and they said, I, I overvalued it because we had it valued at a much lower number than it's worth. And by the way, my financial documents are valued much less than my actual value, which nobody even knows. But the financial documents that I gave to the bank are much less than my actual net worth. So therefore, I gave them to the bank. They can't be a fraud because I gave them lower numbers. I'm probably one of the only people ever to seek a loan. I didn't even need the loan because you see the kind of cash I have. I didn't even need loans. Maybe you don't do a deal or two. But I have a lot of cash, a lot of everything. You know, a lot of people are very surprised at how successful this is. You saw it today with the kind of cash I have and the kind of success we've had. But I'm a private company. I was never going to reveal this kind of stuff, but now it comes out. It comes out because a corrupt attorney general sued me for fraud. And then they found out they had no case. And they have no case. And today, if you read the New York Law Journal, they basically say they have no case against Trump. But I'm here, stuck here, and I can't complain. I'd rather be right now in Iowa. Yep. I'd rather be in New Hampshire, South Carolina, or Ohio, or a lot of other places, but I'm stuck here because I have a corrupt attorney general that communicates with the DOJ in Washington to keep me nice and busy because I'm leading Biden in the polls by a lot. That's all this is. This is election interference. They made up a fake case. They're fraudulent people. And the judge you ever hear him this pissed in a while, Noah? He's no, he's fired up. Judge. In all fairness to him, he has no choice. He has no choice. He's run by the Democrats. I know this city better than anybody knows this city. There's nobody knows it like I do. He's a Democrat judge out of the clubhouses. He's controlled, and it's a shame. What's going on here is a shame. Our whole system is corrupt. This is corrupt. Atlanta is corrupt. And what's coming out of D.C. is corrupt. But this is a good one because this one is interesting. This one is very interesting. Why attend? Because I want to point it out to the press how corrupt it is because nobody else seems to be able to do it. New York Law Journal today did a very good job. And others have done a good job. They say there's no case here. But we have a corrupt attorney general that tried to make a case. Thank you very much. Mm, that's the most f fired up I've heard him in a while. Yeah, that was like borderline ranting. I like it. And he gets into this stuff during his speaking events, and of course it rallies, but with that much drive and emotion, there were so many times where the reporters were trying to interject or maybe even just get a little point in And it. he's like, shut the fuck up, I'm still talking. Yeah, just give him the two fingers. Yeah. I'm t and then you go right back to the... That's what that means. That means shut the fuck up, I'm still talking. To the accordion. Daddy's talking. Papa T is talking. And uh, he made his presence felt. And, you know, the, the way that this goes now, again, Monday... They're supposed to start dissolving portions of the Trump Corporation, and we're just going to continue to track it like we always do. Obviously, we'll probably hear about this on the campaign trail. Again, I said he's doing a speaking event this weekend in Iowa. Presidential polls out. Quinnipiac, Pennsylvania, Donald Trump, 47. Sitting President Joe Biden, 45. So a good one there. There's also uh, 
there was a lot of polls out over the course of the last few days. Florida Republican primary. Ron Sanders should have a pretty strong showing here. What do you think, Noah? Yeah. Trump 57, DeSantis 22, Haley 7, Christie 2, Pence 1, Scott 1, Remisalmi 1. So that means Donald Trump is about plus 35-ish there. I've also saw, what else do we got? A couple more polls, and I always like to give you guys the up-to-the-minute poll numbers here. Here we go. Iowa head-to-head, Trump 47, Biden 38. And then when you talk about the maybe matchup of Trump-Newsom, Trump 48, Newsom 35. Generic ballot, GOP 50%, Dem 36. Let's see anything. Oh, fundraising numbers came in. No, I don't know if you heard. Mm-mm. Trump campaign raised over $45.5 million in quarter three with more than $37.5 million cash on hand. I was some of that. Donald Trump for president 2024 raised more than $45.5 million in the third quarter with over 37 million. $0.5 million cash on hand, the impressive testament to the overwhelming grassroots support behind President Trump, which will lead to his dominating victories to close $36 million of total cash on hand that is designated just for the primary. Meanwhile, the de-sanctimonious campaign admits to only having $5 million cash on hand available for the primary election, a grave indication that Ron DeSantis' candidacy might not live to see the Iowa caucuses in January or even at the end of this month. So as you can see, the polls are looking good. The money's looking good. Donald Trump's uh, personal finances are still in a little bit of trouble, but they're fighting. And we're going to see where this goes, continue to track it, jumping in with Wayne Dupree right now. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. Pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family, has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you enter promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You may have heard this guy on WCBM 680 on Sundays. Baltimore Radio's finest host of the Wayne Dupree podcast. Kind of spoiled it right there. Mr. Wayne Dupree is joining us for the first time. <laughs> Wayne, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. What's up, people? What's going on? Mm. Getting ready for the weekend. What a busy couple weeks it's been in the news. Right? Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot going on. We'll make our head explode, wouldn't it? Well, we just try to bring it the best we can. Listen, from your vantage point, you're on radio interacting with the the public there. You do your podcast. Obviously, you got a lot of great guests on there. You've been tracking all the stuff that's been going on on Capitol Hill pretty much for the whole session of Congress since Joe Biden's took office. It kind of culminated a little bit earlier in the week with, you know, we had the historic event of removing Kevin McCarthy as speaker. We're getting ready to hit a general election cycle and got that heating up as well. What's the way you're looking at it right now, Wayne? I mean, this country's in bad shape. You want to talk about anything from geopolitics to our border, the domestic economy, gas prices, the effect on the families right now, you name it, crime's out of control, and then we have all this drama with our government as well. It's kind of like, you know, the government is a very good representation of what's going on in this country right now, and I just want to hear your take on it. 
Well, that's it. Cancel Christmas is all over. <laughs> um, look, the thing is, there's so much going on. It's it's and and it's it's one of those things where um, the government has gotten really good at scandalizing so many things at one time that it makes people turn off. Um, and then when and then when people turn off, then they go ahead and do whatever they're going to do. There's a lot of distractions that are happening right now, and there's a lot of individuals that are in charge of those distractions. And um, like, like I was talking to some of my audience um, on uh, on AM radio this morning, it's like you have people calling Washington D.C. lawmakers leaders, but they're not leaders. They're not leading anything. They're not doing anything. Um, they're representatives. I will never ever call them a leader again because they don't do anything. And they're getting paid not to do anything. And it's up to us American people. All those things that you just said, they're all up there. They're they're all there. And believe me, some people that have been in politics for a long time, they're walking away from it because it's it's just too much stuff. And it's per they're doing it on purpose. Doing it on purpose to make dependence out of all of us. To 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 want to reach out to government, please save us, please save us. <laughs> but they don't have any solutions. The solutions are a band aid to get to the next possible solution, and they'll tell you it's a nice shiny solution. And then when you get to it, be like, we got another band aid to put on it. I'm talking about continuing resolutions and omnibus bills, which is the way this government's been funded oh, since yeah. since the late '90s. Now, Wayne, you saw uh, I I saw that you put it on your your ex account as well that Donald Trump endorsed Jim Jordan late last night, gave him a full, total, and complete endorsement. As we head into the speaker vote next week, do you think Jim Jordan brings any kind of solutions to the problems we've been having with Congress up to this point of this session? No. Um, and 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 I'm going to be honest with that. Jim Jordan, I admire him so much. I've admired him for a long time. But Congress is not a place to, to fix anything. They're not. Well, I, actually, look at everything that they've done. Have they ever fixed anything? Have they ever uh, put put something together for the American people that the American people can look to and say we're better we're better for it because of what Congress just did? If it is, it happened in 1776 when they created the Constitution. Mm. Other than that, I I mean, they haven't did anything in my lifetime that's really made anything better. That made things worse. Look at three like thirty three trillion dollars in debt. Now it. If there's one thing about Kevin, no, if there's one thing about Jim Jordan that's different than Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan is better at explaining things. And he's better at um, giving the American people a snapshot, an immediate snap, um, snapshot of what's going on so that people understand exactly what's going on. Because many of those um, representatives again not leaders many of those representatives get up there and they don't tell the american people the truth they don't want to let anybody know what's really going on and then when we do it on our podcast it's like y'all are being negative no we're letting you know what's going on in the country so that you can prepare yourself jim jordan does that the, the, the reason why i don't really put a whole lot of faith in congress is because they don't have any power to really do anything these investigations are great for TV. They're great for, I mean, I don't know how old y'all are. Y'all look young, 
But um, you know, we're talking about uh, you, you remember the Monday night movie of the week or sure. the Wednesday movie of the week? Yeah, back in the day, these investigations would look good on that. But they, but but today, nothing. I mean, the grateful one day. Did you see that? Oh, he he just got called out. Oh, he he just exploded. Oh, he just destroyed him. And then on Thursday, nothing. You don't see anything. So. Uh, if Congress had a, a whole lot more bite, I was going to say a little bit more bite, but if they had a lot more bite, disciplinary bite, then yes, I could say, well, the next speaker would be able to do something. Somebody asked me about um, um, the federal court system mm. that we shouldn't have one. I said, no, we should have one. But it, but it should be for Congress people that um, screw things up. It should be for <laughs> lawmakers. And and judges and the president and and the Supreme Court members that screw stuff up or ethically do things wrong that that's where the um, uh, they should be uh, uh, going through the federal court system, but not regular Americans. You know, uh, we, well, you talk about nothing ever goods come out of Congress. We've we've produced some of the best inside traders this country has ever known <laughs> the eighteen. Yeah, I mean, you got to talk about people. Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden are just two sparkling examples, but there's dozens yeah. and dozens in Congress right now who've become multimillionaires, uh, screwing the American people over. So I can definitely agree with you there. Well, Wayne, when you see President Trump doing so strong in this. Uh, in the primary season right now we, here on the show, we have Donald Trump in kind of his own primary. And then we have the fake primary underneath it of, you know, the ones that just go for the ratings and the book deals and possible mm -hmm. cabinet level positions in a future administration, or maybe just looking to push it down the road to 2028. But does it surprise you that Donald Trump is, is still getting stronger even after all the stuff that he's been through, you know, the fallout from the 2020 election, then all the legal stuff he's incurred. It seemed like everybody was ready to abandon him last winter, except the day one reels. And here we are right now seeing him just absolutely dominate on his way to his third straight GOP nomination. Look, I was looking at Mike Lindell this um, I was I was reading this stuff about, about Mike Lindell this morning and it's taking a whole lot of, people by storm of how he said he's broke now 330 million dollars and he's broke broke for trying to protect the country broke broke for trying to um, clean up things and to um, wake the american people that's what they're trying to do to donald trump donald um donald trump uh he's a whole lot more richer than uh michael lindell so that's why he hasn't gone anywhere but if there's one thing about the american people well, two things. Uh, when this country is attacked, the American people come together, right? Okay, so America also likes underdog too. Sure, you can't keep beating up on somebody publicly, trying to destroy his name, his family, his businesses. And I mean, look, <laughs> they have they've they've overshot the bow. You got four courts. Up to 91, probably close to 100 felony possible <laughs> accounts. You're talking, I, you, um, uh, um, they're trying to take his businesses away now. Uh, 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 they're trying to put stink on his businesses. They're trying to devalue everything that he has. And, I mean, I'm not shocked that everything is going up. I'm just shocked that. The people that are still trying to, I mean, well, they call them the Keebler Elves. I'm just shocked that none of, I, that they haven't left the race and just jumped behind President Trump 
to support him to to win in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of people out there. You know, me and Noah always talk about it here on the show. These people must not have mirrors in their houses because they say some of the most atrocious stuff or yeah. just make up the, the wildest things you'd ever hear, and then they just go home and come out the next day and do it all over again. And that's been some of the stuff that's happened. And I'm not talking about the people that are just looking for the shock value like Chris Christie. He's kind of irrelevant or anything. But, like, you know, the top three or four candidates out there that are that are fighting amongst themselves, especially at the last debate a couple of weeks ago, it's just like you're watching this, and as a, these people have presented no policy platform. They've, pre- they've presented no uh, counters to, you know, saying Joe Biden's economy is bad and the border is wide open is not a presidential campaign. At some point there has to be, like, a legitimate threshold that you must cross cross to even consider yourself to be of that caliber. I mean, Donald Trump's already done it, so he starts off ahead of the game as well. And then anytime you hear anything that's even kind of policy-driven, what is it? It's like a copy of Donald Trump's policy from Agenda 45, and then they just say, well, next year when I get elected president, I'll take it a step further and be better than him at doing it. I'm like, that's not really going to resonate with the American people, especially when the movement of America First is so protective of Donald Trump and, and the things that he brought to the table throughout the course of his first administration, it looks to do in the course of his second one. Don't you agree? I agree. I, to- I totally agree. Um, and when he gets in there, when he gets in there, and, and, and I mean, I don't, see him, I don't see him giving up right now, but when he gets in there, man, mm-hmm. hold your heads. Hold your heads because... Um, <laughs> the die is cast. You, I mean, you can't shake. These people think that they can do whatever they want to to them and take them down. You, man, talk about a woman scorn. <laughs> a president unleashed is worse. We're really anticipating it. Wayne, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think uh, it kind of falls in the thread of all this. It's the people that are grasping onto power and seeing it slip away. It's on both sides of the aisle. You see, like, people, former Speaker Newt Gingrich having meltdowns, Mark Levin having meltdowns, saying that, you know, America First is selfish. It's like a baby-driven movement. It doesn't have any lasting power. Then, just recently, you had that absolutely stunning interview with Christine Amanpour and uh, Hillary Clinton where she said we all need to be essentially deprogrammed and thrown into concentration camps. She's talking about the America First base and all the MAGA Republicans out there. When you see these people like literally in their last grasps at power before we could break through this thing again next year, is it interesting to watch or is this what you kind of expected? It's like the end of like any kind of science fiction movie where the, the people that were in control essentially are about to lose and the good guys are about to come through and win. Yeah. Um, you know, the way, the more, the more look at it, you, you know, it is almost like, uh, they know that they're losing. So they're trying very hard to say whatever they can or however they want to say it. As a matter of fact, I tweeted out earlier. I was like, the, the, the more Donald Trump distances himself away from the field, the more all these Alec, more allegations are coming out. Yep. It's like, wait a minute. Uh, this this Australian billionaire that just came out said that, oh yeah, he yeah he told me about something about the nuclear sub uh, in 2021. It's like, wait a minute, where were you last year when they were talking about this stuff? Why do you come out then? Well, guess what? If you look at the numbers, President Trump had he he's, he has 63 percent, and Ron DeSantis has nine. I mean, he, <laughs> so I mean, all. All these allegations, all these stories are now coming out or late coming out, and you want us to believe it? You you want us to accept all of this pylon? It's not gonna happen. And I'll tell you one thing, 
you y'all uh, uh and i don't want to talk about y'all but uh these people gonna hit that point of no return <laughs> these people hit the point of no return when the american people are like you know what now we need to march on washington again because that's what's missing right now that's the only thing that um uh, um the people in washington right now are not afraid of they're not afraid of the american people because they feel they've pushed us in our homes where we aren't uh, joining together and, um, um, and um, exacting our 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 rights of um, uh, of f- um, freedom of speech and also right to assemble. So sooner or later, they're going to keep doing it. Next thing you know, where are these people coming from? Well, <laughs> y'all y'all called it. Y'all called the whirlwind. Now reap it. They have created it. I think there's a lot of complicity, especially in Washington, D.C. and up on Capitol Hill. It's going to be interesting to see Donald Trump, who already plans on uh, attending the speaker conference next week to see some of the candidates and talk to them about their candidacy. But uh, I wonder if he's going to be giving them behind closed doors a little bit of a warning. Listen, the last time I was here was on January 6th. I brought about a million-ish people with me. I don't want to have to, you know, turn around and have to do that again. I'm going to leave the ball in your court. As uh, We're going to leave it in yours, Wayne. We're going to obviously live link your website and the podcast and the show description Day, but for anybody that wants to follow you on social media, subscribe to you on X, where can they check you out? Everything that I've been doing for the last 12 years, you can always type in Wayne Dupree Show. You can download my app. It's free. Wayne Dupree Show. You can watch old shows. You can listen to old shows, but you can also send on the podcast um, a message to let us know how we're doing or if you have any questions. Um, uh, also, we will... I mean, I I answer them one on one, so I'll be glad to take your questions. But I appreciate this time, and I also appreciate what y'all do. Um, uh, it's needed, and I'm glad that y'all are out there doing it. No, we're appreciative of having you on here today. This guy's got a huge voice in America First. And uh, definitely doesn't seem like he's stopping anytime soon. This is the host of the Wayne Dupree Show. Wayne Dupree, thanks for joining us today. My man. Y'all take care. The Newsweek says the FBI is targeting Trump voters ahead of the election. The FBI secretly put Trump supporters in a category of extremists that it's going to be tracking ahead of 2024. And classified data obtained by Newsweek shows that Trump supporters are the main target of FBI anti-government investigations. Investigations that doubled from 2020 to 2021. FBI assessments on Americans also doubled. And An FBI assessment is about as close to spying on citizens as you can really get without saying it. So why are we using counterterrorism techniques that were developed to fight al-Qaeda on us? A senior intel official told Newsweek, we've crossed the Rubicon. Biden's made it clear MAGA Republicans are an existential threat to the country. He's campaigned on it. And the FBI now releases a report that says claims of voter fraud conspiracies about COVID-19 will spark domestic terrorism. Now, who do you think they're talking about? But the FBI says, we don't play politics. Sure. We'll have more on that tomorrow. And we're going to talk about it today. Yeah, it's insanity. It's basically just targeting dissidents. Like, you haven't seen this since, like, the 50s. No. (laughs) No. I just can't believe that uh, a whistleblower inside of the FBI leaked all this stuff to Newsweek. There were corresponding emails and bulletins that were provided to Newsweek as well, which essentially corroborated the claims that 
yeah, the Department of Justice is going to be coming for us hard in 2024. And they're building cases against all of us right now as we even speak. And they can just label anybody they want to as a target. Oh, it's like, oh, you have this particular uh, political ideal or you think that America would be better a certain way, which is your God-given right to have those opinions. It's the First Amendment. I thought you were going to say a particular set of skills. A particular set of skills. It's wild. You know, we're going to be talking about right now. I can poop on a desk in the Capitol. Okay. <laughs> Still haven't caught him. Nope. <laughs> While they're building cases, and apparently now walls, don't say walls, it's barriers, barriers. against us. Where we're at right now. So I know you saw Noah failed presidential candidate and former disgraced Secretary of State, Hillary Rodham Clinton, mm. sat down for an absolute barn burner with inherent racist and hater of all things white, Christian Amanpour, Grey Poupon, mm-hmm. on CNN for a Kill Dog exclusive. Hillary Clinton weighed in on the possibility of Speaker Jim Jordan in the overall state of things within the Republican caucus. As part of this interview, I pulled a clip. Let's hear it. The main contenders for his, posi- his position are Jim Jordan, who you know very well from Benghazi. Oh, I don't know him well. I watched him and, and uh, you know, stared at him for 11 hours while he made stuff up about me. So I don't know him, but I've seen him in action. So what will it mean if he gets the speakership? Well, I mean, he is one of the principal uh, ringleaders of the circus that's been created in the Republican Party for the last several years. Um, I, I have no inside knowledge about what the Republicans will do, who they will end up voting for. But when do they put the country first? They do not represent a majority of even the Republican Party. Uh, when you look at the extremists in the House, they certainly don't represent a majority of the country. And, you know, somebody has to stand up and say enough. You know, we could have disagreements. I'm all for that. I was in the Senate for eight years. I worked with a lot of Republicans and, you know, opposed them when uh, I didn't agree. But at some point, there needs to be a backlash against the control that this small group of extremists have. And I don't know uh, who will lead that, but uh, let's hope uh, whoever becomes the new speaker will. There's Hillary calling for a backlash. Vagina. Against MAGA Republicans. There's another Tucker button there, but I want you to save it because I've got an even spicier clip. What difference at this point does it make? Did you hear about the uh, camps and reprogrammings? Reprogramming people? Hmm. Is that covered by your warranty? She just can't come to terms with the fact that after all we've been through together, that America First will not just abandon Donald Trump as so many other candidates through the years have been completely abandoned by their followings when they don't follow through on their promises. And there's one really strong point that Donald Trump was able to do throughout the course of his first term that leads me to believe it's the only reason MAGA is stuck with him. It's called Promises Kept. These people cope and seethe 24-7 because this billionaire builder came into Washington, D.C. and just turned it on its absolute fucking head. To which point, now almost three years out of office, they still haven't recovered. I also want to point out, during this interview, I noticed that Kill Dogs had a little work done on the grill. Oh, yeah? A little tightening, if you know what I mean. 
She got the Dr. Evil suit uh, taken in a couple inches, or? I'm thinking that, uh, I don't know how, listen, I feel like the Democrat primary is just going to bust white. You know, you got, I believe on Monday, RFK Jr. is going to be making an announcement that he's going to be running as an independent. You know, he's the next person that's in the crosshairs of the Dilly Meme team. Oh, yeah. As we pointed out on this show for a very long time, regardless of what he's done to advocate for vaccine efficacy and awareness, he's also one of the founders of the climate mafia. And he's been a gun grabber since he came out of the womb. Listen, more power to him. I mean, ideas can change, you know, maybe. His dad and uncle were assassinated. (laughs) Yeah. But the fact of the matter is here, if RFK Jr. is going to step into the arena and think that he even take a fraction of a percent away from Donald Trump, it was nice knowing you. Well, I think the bonus part of him doing that is going to take the percentages away from the enemy. Yeah, but unfortunately, the meme makers of the world aren't going to waste time to see how the points start falling. No. They're just going to completely go after him, and uh, they're going to Ron DeSantis him before they jump back into the Republican primary and finish off whoever decides to be crowned the next retard of the fake primary. I promised gulags and reprogrammings. Here's another clip from Hillary Clinton during that spicy interview. Let's hear it party as it is today Mm -hmm. and sadly so many of those extremists those mega extremists um, take their marching orders from donald trump who has no credibility left by any measure he's only in it for himself he's now defending himself in civil actions and criminal actions and when do they break with him you know because at some point you know maybe there needs to be a Formal deprogramming of the cult members, but something needs to happen. And how do you do? Wow. Fuck you. I hate you. Isn't she the absolute worst? She is awful. You know, she's like, it's bad enough. She looks like Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) She dresses like him. And she dresses like him. And now she wants to throw people down like a fucking elevator shaft. A Death Star elevator shaft. I like it. <laughs> you know, she started off that first clip I played saying that Jim Jordan was lying about what happened at Benghazi when he had her before committee. And, uh, you know, that's how she rolled that into he shouldn't be even she's, considered. She's trying to take the Benghazi fucking walk on this one? She's bringing it back. That's a terrible idea. Yeah. Everybody's seen the movie. My God. Yeah, so, you know, if it's not going to be the FBI, it's going to be people like Hillary Clinton championing... Ing, Joe Biden's talking points out on the road saying that MAGA Republicans are the greatest threat to society. Um, at some point, they're either going to have to abandon Donald Trump or be forced to forget about him. Yeah, how long until everybody who's ordered from somebody who sells Trump merchandise is just on, I mean, not that you're not already on a list, but like how how long until they're like, well, guess what? We've just uh, We've just subpoenaed these people's records. And now everybody on this list is going to get a knock. So if you're Are buy- they doing FBI knocks? I saw some, somebody mentioning that, but I don't know if that was true. Mm-hmm. If you're buying Trump merch, make sure you're buying it from Daddy T. Yeah, exactly. Don't buy it from all these other ass javelins. Yeah. What do we say about our N-words for Trump shirt? Not wearing it. Are we hanging it up in the studio? I don't know where. We're pretty squared up on space. You know, I mean, we- you could... Put it behind the American flag, but that'd be a little weird. Yeah, would we missed a real opportunity today with uh, Baltimore's finest, Wayne Dupree? I think he would have gave us a little bit of street cred recognition for <laughs> having it up in the studio. He probably would have gotten up and been wearing one too. I don't doubt that either. <laughs> so 
as we're getting thrown into camps, the only way to keep us in there is with walls. Now, we all know that Joe Biden campaigned on not building another inch of border wall uh, throughout the 2019 cycle heading into the general election. And since then has done everything he can in his power to follow through on that promise. There hasn't been any wall built except for some of the wall on private land that Texas Governor Greg Abbott's been able to get done, right? That's there. When you look at all the other materials that were left over from the Trump administration, Joe Biden has been selling them off to the lowest bidder. That's so irritating because now it's going to cost taxpayers even more now that they've seen that, oh shit, this isn't working. We actually are having a catastrophic failure of all infrastructure in these cities that can take care of all these migrants. And now we have to put up these walls, but guess what? We fucking sold them for scrap metal. Now you're going to have to pay for them again. However, CNN broke an exclusive wall exclusive. A wall exclusive? This week. Let's hear it. Well, they're saying they're doing it here because they have 2019 funds that were appropriated for this exact purpose, which was building additional border barriers, and that they're going to focus those funds on an area that has received a lot of traffic of migrants. Now, according to the numbers and federal the data, border? this area, the Rio Grande Valley sector, which covers South Texas, has seen nearly 300,000 encounters between last October and this August. So clearly an area of concern for administration officials as they look to set up this border barrier. Now, in uh, last month, the Customs and Border Protection had announced and sought public input from the community as they were looking at doing this. And this would be up to 20 miles of border barrier and would include a number of fixtures, for example, um, lights, cameras and gates, as well as access roads. But to do it and to do it in an expedited manner, they're waiving certain laws. That includes the Clean Air Act, the Safe Drinking Water Act, as well as the Endangered Species Act. Now, they are sure to come under criticism by Democrats for making this move. In fact, uh, Texas Rep Representative Henry Cuellar said that they shouldn't be taking a 14th century solution to a 21st century problem. And the officials, when you talk to them, say when they, when they see border security and they talk about border barriers, they would want to focus instead on border technology. The funds have been appropriated for these physical barriers. But look, the White House is acutely aware that this is an area of concern for them. There has been an uptick in border crossings. They are facing criticism from cities across the country, including from Democratic allies. And so this is an area they're going to focus on for this wall. We should also note that Secretary of State Antony Blinken, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, and Attorney General Garland are all in Mexico this week for annual security talks. And you know that migration is going to come up in those talks. Hmm. 21 new miles of border wall. How many inches is that? Here's the thing, though. It's from 2019 appropriations that were already passed, funded, and supplied. So there was almost no way legally Joe Biden can get out of this. This will be considered part of Donald Trump's phase two of the wall. Remember, phase one added over 400 miles of border wall, and phase two added 52 additional miles. So this will round it up into the 70s. But I did see yesterday that the media went into a frenzy over this proposed new wall that was going to get built. And they were so quick to credit the Biden administration for finally waking up to the border crisis and building a wall because of a report that was released from DHS. If you go and actually read the report, instead of just airing clips 
and making fun of Joe Biden about it on social media, you'll realize that inside of the report that's explained that certain funds have been appropriated to building the border wall in a 2019 order under President Trump. So like I said, this will be part of Trump's wall, second phase. So no, the Biden administration finally did not admit that in a crisis such as this and at the border did they decide to build some of the wall. They simply legally have to and have lost in court multiple times trying to fund it. Alejandro Mayorkas actually has been fighting this 2019 order, like I just mentioned, in court. And the fact of the matter is they do not want to secure the border. And, you know, anyone who's got half a brain knows that an open border is their intended goal, period, stop, end of argument. They've already got it. It's already almost here. And I wanted to point out that Sophie Luis Del Cui, who works up on Capitol Hill with some of our Senate Republicans, she does some comms up there. She's hooked us up with a couple of congressmen and women that are going to be joining the show soon. Senator Tuberville, Senator Ernst, Senator Cruz, and hopefully J.D. Vance. It's a family matter there. I don't want to talk about it on the show. But here's the deal. If you ask the people that are actually in charge of this country, including uh, Mr. P.P. Poopy Pants himself, mm. he was talking this morning on it and offered this statement to credit her argument about what you did to try to reappropriate those border funds, especially when Democrats controlled both chambers of Congress. Well, you know, with the wall thing? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. They passed. This guy has no fucking idea well, where he is. I told that I had no choice, that, I, you know, Congress passes legislation to build something, whether it's an aircraft carrier, a wall, or provide what? for a tax cut. I can't say I don't like it. I'm not going to do it if it hadn't been vetoed. If you it's said yesterday that you tried to reappropriate the funds. So yeah, I we tried know. to ask the Congress to consider changing the Guess law where they were going to go. To reappropriate. Say, where? Don't Straight to Ukraine. Use it for other purposes. Give me more border agents. Give me more uh, technical capabilities to detect fentanyl and the like. That's what I wanted to do. Technical KKK? Technically, abilities. You did hear that Joe Biden said, I was told that I had to build the border wall. Who told him? Who does number two work for? Got a lot of good options at Clips today. Right. Alejandro Mayorkas, who's with Tony Blinken and Merrick Garland in uh, Mexico right now doing their quad annual retreat which is filled with margaritas and street tacos because they're definitely not talking about anything that secures our southern border, had a statement that kind of reiterated this point. You want to hear Alejandro Big Mad? I'll say save the garrison button because I'm ending the show with a couple KJPers. Before we get into Mayorkas, though, guys, wherever you're listening today, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, make sure you subscribe to the show. It helps us out a ton. Follow it. Make sure the downloads are happening. And then on social medias, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts. Follow us and hit the notification bell. So Ale, former co-captain of the Beverly Hills varsity tennis team, like I said, is down in Mexico with some of his buddies, most of the uh, dark horses of the apocalypse, Garland and Blinken. I guess you can add Joe Biden to that too to make four of them, but the only thing that's dark are the skid marks in his underwear. Nothing? Skid marks? Thanks. Humor me here. Here's Mayorkas talking yesterday on the proposed border wall. I want to address today's reporting relating to a border wall 
and be absolutely clear. Clear. There is no new administration policy with respect to the border wall. Allow me to repeat that. Sure. There is no new administration policy (laughs) with respect to the border wall. From day one, this administration has made clear that a border wall is not the answer. That remains our position, our position has never wavered. The language in the Federal Register notice is being taken out of context, and it does not signify any change in policy whatsoever. So you're not building a border wall? Or you are building a border wall? Sounds like he's building it in protest. Uh, I just don't have the border wall data. That pesky data always comes up. Hmm. You know, and here's the thing, though. As we're getting ready to wrap and jump in with Paul and Gracia, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that this administration is going to do nothing to make our lives safer and more secure. And what they're doing is they're covering for something that they have to do by putting it in a place where there's a lot of problems right now in those 20 miles of the Rio Grande where they've had like 300,000 plus encounters just this year. It's insanity. It's wild, wild west. If you don't feel for the men and women who are down there protecting our borders, you know, I see so much. I want to touch on this too. No, you could probably, you know, jump in on this as well. When you're on social media and you see some of these videos of either the national guard or DPS or border patrol that are cutting wire and letting people in that are, like, up to their necks in the river. And these people are being, like, you know, making references to, like, Nazis and, like, just following orders and this, that, or the other thing. I want everybody to understand something, and I want to be extremely clear on this. Border security comes from the head of DHS, period, end of argument. Yeah. It doesn't matter who in the Border Patrol wants to catch people and send them back. It doesn't matter who at the heads of these agencies and the Border Patrol and CBP and ICE and stuff like that want to detain people and process them and figure out who they are, if their claim is legitimate, and if it's not, get them the hell out of our country. They have no power in that. If it's free-for-all, everyone comes in via Alejandro Mayorkas because of Joe Biden, then that's what it is, period. And when it becomes unsafe situations that these people are out in no man's land, walking through the river, or putting cardboard on top of their kids and trying to slip them under barbed wire. Jeez. What do you think these people are going to do? They're going to cut the wire and let them in. Yeah, they're not going to sit there and place bets on if they make it. Yeah. For as much as that sounds like it might be fun. Yeah. You know, they they do get a couple (laughs) floaties still coming down the the river that are getting caught up in the buzzsaw buoys. But but that's the thing. This has become such a human... Like, this regime has familiarized and normalized this type of crisis. Well, the, the the issue is that they're being encouraged to come. So when they come and it's like there's they're it's bursting at the seams. Anywhere that there is an available spot for people to come through, they're coming through whether it's safe or not. Like these people aren't going to hike another 50 miles. The the coyotes and the smugglers, they don't give a shit. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll take you to the border. It'll cost you $2,000. And they drop them off in the most fucked up secluded area. And it's like, all right, yeah. See those buzzsaw buoys? Yeah. yeah. Have you seen uh, what's the, <laughs> what's that show where they do all the obstacles? Where the guys are running as fast <laughs> as they can. Yeah, on like the gym mats. Not and- American American Ninja Warrior, but. Something the, like no, that. No, the funny one where everybody falls in the. Yeah. Go- yeah. It's all bloopers. It's like the the Asian show. Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. But it's like, you know. And that's the thing. 
like HR two passed in the House, and let's just say through an act of God, the Senate accepted it, and Joe Biden didn't veto it, and it came into law with remain in Mexico, and uh, catch and detain, and actual deportations happening, and and you know e verify and all this stuff that the House Republicans put together in a really comprehensive bill. It's the best border package you've ever seen in the history of this country, modern era. If that comes to Alejandro Mayorkas' desk, what do you think he's going to do? He's going to wipe his ass with it. Uh, I, I think uh, this this is not the data that I was looking for. It lacks data. It it um, this administration um, fervently uh, disavows all data. <laughs> it's the truth, and that's the thing. The only way that this border is ever going to be secured is if Alejandro Mayorkas is impeached, or is replaced at the start of the next Trump administration, or hard and feathered and dragged through the streets. Sometimes I feel like we're getting close to French Revolution shit here. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about the Roman Empire today? Now I have. Thank you. And you're welcome. Getting ready to wrap here on our Friday edition of the show. Paul and Grassi is getting ready to come in and join us. I've got two bangers from KJP yesterday. Noah's been saving the garrison button for her. Oh! And uh, Actually, back to the Roman Empire. Sorry to interrupt. I was actually looking at real estate, and there was a, a real estate listing in San Diego, and the, on the still of the screen was something about how men can't stop thinking about the Roman Empire. I shit you not, that was today during the show. Yeah, you know, I just started watching uh, Rome again on on HBO because Amanda Millis is always talking about it. You know, her father produced it, mm-hmm. and uh, just an absolutely fantastic show. So if you're not thinking about it enough. It's called Rome or Rome again? Rome. I know, I'm just kidding. Garrison me. No. No, I like it. Here's the press secretary getting hit up by Ducey about the border wall. If you have to build a border wall, but you don't (laughs) think that it's going to work, then once it's done, are you just going to tear it down? I'm not getting into hypotheticals from here. I'm just telling you what I can tell you from here. Peter, I've had enough of your shit today. DHS is complying with the law. This is from fiscal year. This was under fiscal year 2019 under Republican uh, leadership, and DHS is required to do this. The president asked multiple times of Congress to reappropriate. They did not, and we're not complying by the law. Thanks, everybody. So this is the law that they're going to comply with. When all the other laws that have been put in place that makes everything that's happening on the southern border, and there's no argument that it's completely 100% illegal. This is the law they're going to adhere to. Oh, we have to do this. No, it's saving face and it's making fucking excuses because now it's an insurmountable task to try to take care of all these people that are coming. Did you not think the entire planet was going to be like, what? There's free shit? I can come in and just do whatever I want? We talked to some people that were close to the State Department throughout the course of the week and don't believe Joe Biden saying like, "Oh, I was looking to reappropriate those bu- those funds and, and get get more border patrol agents." They were literally he should reappropriate some funds, get some goddamn dog training. Oh, poor commander. <laughs> they were begging a judge to say because of what's going on in the House of Representatives right now that that money needs to be freed up so Ukraine can continue losing the war to Russia. How, what? 80% or more, 80% disapproval rating for all of Congress. Yeah. All of Congress. Well, here's the thing. The person that's going to wind up picking up the speaker gavel and moving forward with this session of Congress next week 
they're going to be 100% against blindly funding that war anymore. They're not going to get it, period. Because there are Democrats who are on board with that being like, man, my district really doesn't like this. Like, it's $12 for 12 eggs at the store, and you guys are sending hundreds of billions of dollars over to Ukraine every month. Yeah, we're, we're driving around, and I just had to replace the struts on my car because I hit a fucking speed bump, or not even a speed bump, a pothole yeah. that was so bad it fucking knocked one of my teeth out. Oh, yeah. All this money that we're spending, the, there's so much better things we could do. Like, I mean, isn't there still fucked up water in Flint, Michigan? Mm-hmm. I mean... Joe Biden still hasn't been to East Palestine, Ohio. Yeah, I mean, did that just... Did that just get completely wiped off the fucking memory memory hold already? Remember we said, I'm busy, man. Busy yeah. being the president. Busy on vacation. I get my diapers changed. Kicking his dog in the head. And in our last audio clip of the week, KJP tried to run off with the binder, but she was asked to follow up and actually stuck around on the border wall. Let's hear it. Great, I just want to follow up very quickly. You said that it's not new, but to be clear that this was posted on the Federal Register overnight on October 4th. So just to be clear about this, the president earlier today said that he was asked, does the border wall work? He said no. But in this statement that was posted within the last 24 hours, the Department of Homeland Security Secretary says there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. So who's right? The statement from the DHS secretary overnight or the president's comments today saying they don't work? So a couple of things. Yes, it showed up on the register today, but the announcement, it, this is not new. This is from six months well, ago. Well, it is new because the waving of the laws actually didn't happen. <laughs> but it was, it, this is something that uh, the garrison was out button back, there. that the DHS was put out back in, in, uh, in, the DHS? in, in six the months DHS? ago. Well, so wait, annou- wait, they announced. Did they no. wave the laws six months ago? Well, what I'm saying is DHS announced this back in, in June that the agency would do so. They actually said that they would do that so back in DHS. forward with it today, but the initial announcement was six months ago by waiving the laws. So that's what's new today. Understood. So yes. the statement when Just he says make presently sure clear was filed. So when he said there is presently, are you saying when he says there is presently, he was referring to six months ago or referring to the date of which it was filed? What I can four. tell you is DHS pre- announced the this back in June that they were going to move forward with this. That's what I can share with you. That's what I I know is to be true and is to be fact. Look, I can speak for yeah. the president. The president said, he was asked directly. He doesn't believe a border wall is effective. Do you have a disagreement with his Department of Homeland I, Security I, Secretary? What I can tell you, what the president, I, have, I, I want to tell you what the president said and what your colleague asked him. He said, no, he doesn't believe that the border wall is effective. Speaking in direct contradiction to what his own Homeland I know, I hear you. I hear you. So I'm speaking for the president. I'm saying that he has said that he does not believe a, a border wall is effective. That's what he was asked. He has said that for some time now, and it still remains to be the case. He asked, right? He asked Congress multiple times. His team has asked Congress to reappropriate the funds. They refuse to do that. We're going to comply by well, law. you ask the president on our behalf then, in the absence of our ability to do that, whether he disagrees with the statement that there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct I'm happy to barriers. take that back. I'm happy. Oh, take that back. Circle back? Oh. Have a great weekend, guys. <laughs> Did she just circle back? She circle backed. You know, breaking news. I'm glad we get to throw it in right before we're getting ready to jump in with Paul and Grassi and wrap up our big Friday edition of the show. There are rumors circulating up on Capitol Hill, which we've had a lot of focus on for the last several months, but more poignantly over the course of the last few weeks. Kevin McCarthy has told senior staff and some of his biggest donors that he is going to be considering retiring from Congress and maybe even stepping down before the session's over. Big win for MAGA. Yeah. Bye, bye Felicia. Matt Gates 
did what needed to be done, and we are so proud of the job. Listen, we've had so many congressmen and women that have come in here just the last couple of weeks that have, you know, uh, backed the job that he's done and talked about. It. And even though people like whether they voted to save McCarthy or they said, okay, maybe now wasn't the right time. We could have done it a couple months from now. Listen. We're getting to where it's like now or never. We need to rack up any kind of W we can. The motion to vacate was one. Having Jim Jordan pick up the gavel will be another. And then we can get this shit refocused again and jump right into this election cycle and get some more people in the House of Representatives that are going to fight for our America First interests. We've got Sandy Smith coming back on the show on Monday. J.R. Majewski is going to be coming back here soon as well. People that didn't get in last time, we need to continue to support them and get them over the finish line next time. McCarthy retiring from everything? Yeah, that's because you just went into the history books as the biggest shitbird on the planet that even your own party voted you out. And listen, if you don't think that he's going to be Paul Ryan 2.0, and be on every show talking shit about Donald Trump oh, and yeah, MAGA yeah. Americans moving forward. And, and then his book deal. Yeah, working actively to, uh, what would his book deal even be? <laughs> uh, Failure to launch? No, Ron DeSantis has that yeah, one. Yeah, he's got that one cornered. Maybe he could start doing erectile dysfunction commercials. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. That's what she said. That is what she said. We're getting ready to jump in with Paul and Gracia, but before we do, let's hear one more time from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, this big Friday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, he's a law clerk over at the McBride Law Center in New York City. He's also on the board for the New York Young Republicans Club, love to hear that, and writes one of Donald Trump's favoritest substacks. sitting down again with Mr. Paul Ingrassia. Paul, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always a pleasure. Well, I can't wait to get some commentary out of you. I know that uh, heading into the motion to vacate earlier in the week, you had some pretty pointed commentary and opinion towards House Republicans of, of just waiting this long to get stuff done and then finally deciding to pull the trigger. Where we're at today on Friday, which is a couple days out from Speaker Committee, and then we'll have another nominee and then a vote for a fresh Speaker of the House. Are you satisfied with the point we're at right now, and where do you see it going from here? Well, I I never like to use the word satisfied or content with regard to our politics because I'm usually never, (laughs) never satisfied with the outcome. But I am happy with um, the progress that's being made in Washington regarding this speaker race. I mean, um, I wrote an article, as you alluded to earlier this week, um, you know, kind of a little bit of critical of, of, of Matt Gates for taking so long to finally exercise the motion to vacate. Since then, I'm very, very happy with what he's done that he actually exercised it on Monday would have ideally liked to have seen him do it before the continuing resolution was passed in the house of representatives, which is now up for debate in the Senate and will likely pass there. But, um, you know, I would have liked to have seen this exercise prior to that, but you know, the fact of the matter is, um, we're going, you know, speaker McCarthy is ousted and we're going to have a better speaker. Um, and it looks at this point, like Jim Jordan, um, maybe the front runner. Um, we saw that truth from President Trump last night saying that he endorsed 
uh, Jim Jordan and a few House members such as Troy Nels, who originally said they'd be supporting Donald Trump for the speaker bid, has now uh, pivoted, it seems, and are uh, sort of rallying behind Jim Jordan from what I've seen. Although I seem it seems like a few uh, House members are still holding out um, and still uh, supporting Donald Trump. I don't know what uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene's position is. The last I checked, she was still on the Trump bandwagon. But whatever the outcome is, it's going to be better than McCarthy as House Speaker. Um, they're going to do away with this continuing resolution and sort of itemize these uh, bills uh, on an item-by-item item basis, like Matt Gates stipulated um, in his criticism on Monday, if anyone saw that on the House floor. Uh, which is a good thing. We don't want to see any more money going to the Ukraine or any sort of international uh, conflict until we secure our southern border, until we improve our cities, which are a disaster now. There's chaos. I'm here in New York City right now, and homicides are you know at a 40-year high, 50-year high. So you know our cities are falling apart. Literally, they're falling apart, and uh, the crime is you know through the roof. And we need to improve. Um, you know, and, and focus our priorities on uh, our domestic policies and not on the Ukraine war, which, you know, ever since we began sending billions over there, Russia has only uh, made gains in that uh, in that area of the world. So, um, you know, I, I think this is a significant step forward and I'm happy um, with the progress being made um, on Capitol Hill. I feel like Jim Jordan was the one we wanted originally anyway, wasn't it? Yeah, you know what? I think that Jim Jordan wants to get in there and kind of uh, protect the, the the majority that the House Republicans have now heading into the next cycle, so he can hand that gavel off to somebody at the start of the next session, then jump right back into the judiciary. Listen, he wanted to get these investigations started into the Joe Biden right. crime family, into the weaponized DOJ and stuff like that. Those investigations may or may not be as far ahead of the game as as much as all the people here in America First want. But the fact of the matter mm -hmm. is, they're started and the investigation process continues. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, there are, there are a few priorities, and if I could just interrupt really quickly, the the main agenda item should be whatever we 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 have to prioritize whatever policies will help um, get Donald Trump back into the Oval Office. Yeah. That is sort of the overarching goal. So, of course, bringing those articles of impeachment against Biden and Kamala Harris, I think both of them should be impeached. But starting with Biden is number one. Number two, endorsing Donald Trump for president. Kevin McCarthy didn't even endorse Donald Trump for president. I want um, a full-throated endorsement by the Speaker of the House of Representatives, who is the most powerful elected Republican official in the country, to rally behind Donald Trump's presidential uh, campaign. That should have already been done months ago. I want to see that from Jim Jordan. I want him to also put pressure on the RNC and also Republican governors, Republican Governors Association and state legislatures to also throw their support behind Donald Trump. And I want to see a complete defunding of the Jack Smith indictments, investigations, these criminal investigations against Donald Trump, number one and number two, you know, the two of them that he brought the records case and also um, uh, the the other one, the January 6th one, whatever the sure. hell is the basis for that. So, yeah, I'd like to see all of that put to an end. And I think that should be the priority of a Speaker Jordan or whoever ultimately is the House Speaker.
Yeah, if it's not Donald Trump. I mean, that's that's kind of the methodology we're looking at here. Obviously, supporting the clear and cut front runner in the Republican primary. Obviously, it's going to be Donald Trump. There was never any question in that. Jim Jordan's always been a huge advocate of him. I'd like to see, you know, kind of a, a reaffirming, reendorsement of that and moving forward, especially if he's able to obtain the gavel and then getting all the money lined up. Listen, it's going to take a lot more than just one man to make sure that we have things uh, looking good for America first in 2025. And Donald Trump going back to the White House is not. Not the only part that gets this country back on the right track. It's going to be with a functioning House and Senate. And at the time right now, there's a lot of good candidates in the mix, but we have to make sure that we get them over the finish line, unlike the 2022 midterm elections, which, you know, we saw did not uh, reap as many fruits as we would have wanted. So now, Paul, when you see some of the other stuff that's going on right now uh, out there, there's there's a lot of um, movers and shakers, you know, especially in the media. I do want to get a couple uh, takes from you on some of this stuff. Mark Levin. Uh, (laughs) I don't know why the president gives him a sniff. I mean, he knows that he writes nice ass-kissing books about him and sometimes Mm -hmm. leads in with nice monologues on his show about how awesome Donald Trump was. But he was a DeSantis supporter before he was a Hillary Clinton supporter, and in between there, there's a little bit of Donald Trump love. The fact of the matter is, you know, you've seen him just straight up trying to light up Matt Gates and and the rest of the Gates 8, and, you know, back in January when we had the original speaker battle, he called America first, the the entire movement selfish, and congressmen and women like Matt Gates and Byron Donalds and Anna Paulina Luna spoiled babies. So when you see somebody that's trying to take gut punches at the people that are essentially going to help pave the road for Donald Trump to get back to the White House and make his transition back to being president as smooth as possible, especially legislatively, how can these people be able to survive in, in, in this climate, especially with how cutthroat America first is? No, I agree with you. I think um, all the criticisms and then some are valid against Mark Levin. It's been ridiculous. The statements he's made really over the past four or five years, ever since Donald Trump um, you know, entered our national politics, but really, over, especially over the past week, going after Gates and the way he's done, um, you know, uh, you know, he, he's he's. He's clearly a McCarthy ally or someone who's buddies with Kevin McCarthy in the Republican establishment. Um, Mark Levin's takes are really, um, you know, he, he doesn't offer any sort of original insights into our politics. Um, but the fact of the matter is, I think President Trump makes peace with the guy because he still commands, you know, a large audience. He sure. has millions of listeners, similar to Sean Hannity. Those two types of people, they're, you know, they're they're boomers that they, they appeal to that side of the electorate and uh, you know even though america first is on the rise unfortunately they still have many people who listen to them and still command uh big platforms so i think that's why donald trump still sort of you know appeases them and and, and um is nice about them but yeah he's been terrible this week i saw you know my friend anthony sabatini who's running for congress in florida yep. um was blocked by mark levin he's been attacking Mark Levin on Twitter really over the past year or so, probably going back further than that. But uh, he was finally blocked by Mark Levin for really calling him (laughs) out. And these people have to listen to us because we're the ones on the rise and we're the ones who are going to take over the party, whether they like it or not. This is the future of the party if we're going to survive as a country. So, um, you know, it's ridiculous. I I hope fewer people will listen to Mark Levin in the future. (laughs) I hope people won't be buying his dumb books. Um, you know, I, I, GOP Josh, Josh, our good friend, called him out in our group chat saying, like, you know, I think his book was like Democrats are destroying the country. It's like the, this is like the most surface level take you could possibly imagine. I, I don't I forgot exactly what he said. He's like, yeah, mocking him. Mark Levin is such a deep thinker. <laughs> the Democrat <laughs> Party hates America. That's the title of his new book. Perfect. I hope people don't buy that stuff. I hope people 
uh, listen to Steak for Podcast and Steak for Breakfast podcast and read your Substack and read my Substack instead because that's far, far, far higher IQ um, st- supplements than, than they'll get from Mark Levin. And I, I think the media landscape is changing, but it's not changing quick enough. And that's why um, we still kind of are in this sort of transition phase, I think. True story. Where he and, still has influence. And then when you see we're in the death throngs here, you talk about Sean Hannity and Mark Levin, you talk about former uh, you know, politicians like Newt Gingrich and how it seems like they're on their yeah. last grasp to hang on to everything they right. got going. And, and listen, the term conservative and Republican, it's changing, and they don't want it to. But the fact of the matter is, is this, this movement has grown so much larger than their voices right now. It seems like nothing can absolutely stop us at this point point paul we're going to be live linking everything in the show description today obviously the law center but we want to be able to direct as many people as we can to your Substack. it's absolutely phenomenal we're always sharing it here on the show we know it's one of president trump's favorite to read and to share as well so where can we find it and and how can we subscribe so my Substack is just paul and gracia Substack. um you can find it on my twitter handle i'm you know paul and gracia p-a-u-l-i-n-g-r-a-s-s-i-a dot substack.com it's an Italian name. I'd also like to plug, if I could, do just it. for one second, the Italian American Civil Rights League, That, given that we're going into Columbus Day weekend. This was a an organization where reviving the Italian American Civil Rights League, which fights against anti-Italian discrimination, specifically um, the tearing down of uh, Columbus statues. I mean, you see Eric Adams going after um, you know, uh, the Columbus statue in Columbus Circle in New York City. So we're forming an organization to fight against that and you know the anti-italian discrimination you see against giuliani and other great america first patriots so if you're interested in that it's iacrl.org um iacrl.org the italian american civil rights league again you can read about it on my Substack. it was founded by roger stone myself mike crispy a good friend of mine and a few other people so that's another thing i just wanted to plug for your italian american audience it's, it's open to everybody really anyone who stands for traditional american values who loves christopher columbus who loves george washington and wants to preserve our culture so um if thank you very much for letting me talk about that as well no we got to cover it because you know i'm I'm obviously one of the italian american delegation of the podcast community here no unfortunately isn't but i I, (laughs) I plan on becoming a card-carrying member and uh we have to get that anti-italian discrimination down no i'm sorry i gotta dust off the sopranos clips for monday's show sounds good to me it'll, it'll be perfect though we play them every year and we absolutely love it paul much like we have much like we love having you on the show and uh we'll be looking forward to having you back soon we're gonna live link everything in our show description today and uh we wish you a great weekend and a happy columbus day next week this is the law clerk at the mcbride law center in new york city writes one of the best sub stacks out there quickly becoming one of our loudest voices in america first mr paul gracia thanks for joining us and have a great weekend thank you guys it's been a busy week noah extremely busy and you are extremely tired but i'm really thankful that you're here across the uh, desk from me here in the lab and that we uh, we killed it killed the dead if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and now want to hear the over 280 other editions of the show make sure you're following us across every downloadable podcasting platform that's on apple spotify google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. make sure you follow the show the downloads are cranking that you rate us five stars also across social media twitter getter true social and instagram find the steak for breakfast podcast accounts follow us and hit the notification bell we want to thank all of our guests for coming in today representatives Corey mill and ben klein wayne dupree pretty awesome sitting down with him for the first time and of course donald trump's favorite substack writer paul and gracia you guys all helped make steak great again 
Guys, I know we're heading into the weekend. We got a holiday on Monday, but don't fret. We'll be back with our Tuesday edition of the show. So far, we've got lined up New York Young Republican Club President Gavin Wax, Sean Parnell, one of our great friends, and House candidate Sandy Smith. So on behalf of the entire pod team, I'm Roan. Noah, later. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and a happy Columbus Day. And take care. does number two work for? Who does number two work for? That's right, buddy. You show that turd who's boss. I can't not hear it. We have to kill it. Just pause it.